0: bring
1: it in read option podcast back getting you ready for week seven in the nfl don't know how it's already week seven that's terrifying uh we also have one of the most highly anticipated college football games of the season. Certainly on for, this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say for two-thirds of this podcast uh, with Penn State, Ohio State. Um, though I don't know if anything's going to top that Washington-Oregon game from last week. That game was absolutely incredible.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Um, but we have a full crew. Scotty, Vito, everyone's back. Scotty's getting ready to go on our friend Joe's bachelor party, which is super fun. Uh, and in doing so, is going to... Take a trip and see my parents, weirdly enough, uh, <laughs> which should be a lot huh. of fun. He's going to get to see the beach house, which we I've recorded from a million times here. Um, but yes, we got the full crew intact. We're turning over a new leaf. I said before the pod started, I said, Scotty, you know, I recorded after the Monday night game. So we normally would start the pod at least recapping a little bit of Monday night. We got that covered. So I said, what are we going to do with that space? I said, Scotty, I want to give you a platform to talk about last Sunday. And you said, nope, I'm good. Yep. On to Cincinnati. It's
0: done. Yeah.
1: Not literal Cincinnati. No, not
0: Cincinnati. fight but... Minnesota and then Cincinnati.
1: I was doing the Bill oh. Belichick. Yeah. On Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. No, we're, yeah, I love, we're on to Cincinnati. On, on, on to Cincinnati. I was kind of hoping. I was like, football wait, I things. do know. The, I was like, I do know the Niners play cincinnati coming up so i was like maybe i got really lucky and that worked out uh unfortunately did not a week Um, off but another great slate in the nfl this week and a lot of fun stuff to talk about uh i was telling scotty before we hopped on Vito just hopped on as we got going here so he didn't hear this i told everyone we are we are on a heater as a podcast when it comes to our picks right now um for anyone who didn't listen to that point of the pod, I want to update everybody on our scores because, boys, we, we're we doing all right. I think the best we've ever done collectively as a podcast, uh, we're all above 500. As it stands right now, on the overall picks against the spread, Scotty, you've picked four out of the first six weeks. You have you are 36-21-3.
0: You're it
1: exactly 60%. Through uh, four weeks of picks, which is good. Uh, Damn, Gito, sharper than sharp. Vito's only picked two weeks. This will be his third. But he's hey, still 20 and 14, above 500. We love that, above the 50 mark. And then love. I've I've picked six weeks, and I am 52, 35, and four Woo! with my picks against the spread. So uh, we, are, we are hot right now. Uh, And then our locks are a little bit different. Scotty's sitting at 500, six and six. Vito, you are sitting at six and three. And I am at 10 and five with my locks right now. That's what we said. We said the the locks are what we're we're valuing more this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're kind of killing it across the board. So good uh, job, boys. We're doing good. We're going to try to keep the mojo rolling here uh, as we roll into week seven. But before we do that, any updates? How's everybody doing?
2: Good man. Um, this will be the first week in a while. I won't travel. So sit down, watch all this sport uh football. Also, right after the Penn State game, South Africa, England, semifinal World Cup rugby. Gonna be insane. So uh great Saturday, full Sunday slate. I don't plan on moving much. I was literally thinking, like, dude, I gotta get I gotta get some workout equipment up here so I can like do something and actually move my body because football, especially in the winter hits. This is uh, yeah. going to be on my and ass for a long time
0: each moving and Sunday. Be- <laughs> moving besides getting up, getting out of the beer, and sitting back on the couch to watch. I have a, I have a, dude, I have a beer, beer
2: fridge. Yeah, I got a kegerator next to the couch, so I don't
0: have to move. Oh, so. well, then you don't even have to get up. That's the, that's the way to do it. Some guys are living <laughs> in 2050 over here.
1: Yeah, you, he's got the kegerator set up. He goes down to Great Lakes, which is one of my favorite breweries.
0: Uh, oh, that is based yeah. out
1: of uh, Cleveland, and uh, we actually just did an event with them at the the craft beer bar I worked at a couple of weeks ago. We got some reps in there, had some some delicious beers from Great Lakes. Big fans of uh, what they do there. So Vito's got an ultimate setup uh, in terms of football fans, but yeah, I mean, look, we are we are in the thralls of it here, boys. We are we are deep in the middle. Um, Want to give a couple of quick shout outs here before we get going with our picks. And we go through our preview here for week seven. Uh, First off, shout out to our friend, Jeff Martz. He is as he's he's as OG as it gets as a listener because he was listening when it was just our fantasy football podcast that we only sent via Google Drive to the people in our fantasy football league. Um, He sent us some incredible footage of his son who. How old How is it? Cooper is Cooper, the older one, Mac,
0: Mac is Max, three. the
1: old one. So Mac's three years old and this kid is already a diehard football fan. I love, I love this kid. I love the energy running around with uh, our buddy. Jeff is a, uh, a Packers fan. So he's got him a, a Packers helmet that he's running around in. It's, it's nice to see kids get into it at that age, you know, where they're just fully locked in football fan for life. It's done. That kid is that kid has got the bug. It's hook line sinker. Another generation. The NFL does it better than anybody because they just they get us so into it. And then we get older and have kids and then we push our obsession onto football, onto our children. And so we do all the work for the NFL. They don't even need Toy Story, uh, but they've got it. So it's just it's it's running deep right now. Love seeing that. So shout out to our buddy Jeff Martz. Uh, Always love the support. And the other shout-out I have to give, to, because uh, I didn't talk about it yet because we were going into uh, game one of the NLCS, but the Philadelphia Phillies, the Fightings yeah. up 2-0. We are recording this right now at 4.03 p.m. Eastern time. We are an hour away from game three, first pitch in Arizona. The Fightins look phenomenal. The bank has been absolutely electric. The Phillies are, are looking great. Uh, Ranger Suarez on the bump tonight. We'll see if they can get it done. Obviously, you guys will know by the time you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's a 3-0 Phillies lead. That would be amazing. Um, a sweep would be great. The Astros took game three after the Rangers stole two in Houston. The Astros come back and get one on the, on the Rangers' home turf. So, that's become a little bit of a series, but we'll see here. Good things coming. How can you not be romantic about postseason baseball, man? How uh, can you not? How can you not?
0: It's the best, I, and I'm reminded every time you see a, a franchise like the Phillies, especially me as a Giants fan, who had a good run there in the in the mid 2010s. Um, just the fact that playoff baseball is, is that electric at every level in every stadium, and, and the the history and the nostalgia of all of it. I, the, I was telling you, Jeff, the ALCS the two managers in that game were former Giants, uh, yeah. Giants managers. So it makes my heart happy. Who do I root for? Bruce Bochy or Dusty Baker? I don't know. Either for, one's fine.
1: I was going <laughs> to say probably two out of the probably the two most like legendary Giants managers yeah. of all time. I mean, everyone in, in in San Francisco loves Dusty. I mean, everyone in general loves Dusty Baker and then Bochy obviously had that incredible run, uh, with the Giants winning three world series. So, uh, yeah, you got to root for the Rangers. I love Dusty. Dusty got his last year. Yeah. Okay, I don't think we need anything more for the Astros. Enough for the Astros. Yeah, yeah We have right. seven consecutive ALCSs, which is one of the most impressive streaks alive yeah. in sports right now. Like, you just credit where credit's due. But I, I wanted to ask ah, you guys Garbage this, chance. Because obviously I'm biased, right? So when I see the bank rocking the way that it is, it, it hits me differently because I'm a I'm a big time Phillies fan. The Phillies World Series in 08 was the first championship I've ever seen, uh, followed up with the Eagles win in 17. But those are the only championships I've ever seen as a sports fan. But the Phillies always have a spot in my heart. I was a baseball player. I'm getting ready to go play some more softball tonight. Like I, I love, love, love baseball, especially playoff baseball. But does it feel to you guys like the bank is that much louder and crazier than – because that's what it seems like a lot of the narrative is, and people who hate Philly are like, oh, well, every stadium gets that loud in the postseason. I don't think that's true.
2: I don't think with the duration either. I'll tell you what. My my buddy Danny added some friends that were there on Tuesday. Um, Or was it last night? Uh,
1: Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah.
2: Yeah, so he was there for the 10-0 win, and he said – he's like, dude, it was not only just insanely loud, he was way up top, but he was like, it's not only insanely loud, it's how long it's loud, right? It's not like, oh, we'll cheer for this and then it dies down. He's like, you cheer and you scream and you're like going off about that player and just thinking, Eagles fans just thinking, or Eagles fans, I love it because it's the same people, but it's Philly fans just thinking ahead of like, oh, we're great. We're going to have another home run. It's like a dominant feeling of, of celebration. It was like, And why I brought that up is because I went to him – I went with him to the NFC Championship game last year in Philly – sorry, Scotty – when San Francisco got hurt and it was just a party because it wasn't a competitive game anymore. And he was like – it was like that – he's like, those only two times I felt like I was just at a celebration party – was after Purdy got hurt, and he's like in that game on Tuesdays, like, we were just everyone in the stadium knew you were going to win. It was so loud. That's how everyone acted. And he, and I agree, man. I I've heard it's been crazy. Now I don't know much of other baseball. I've been to a lot of Angels games. We all know Southern California fans. Listen, I, I love you guys. Where I'm from, you're not the same as East Coast fans. And Philly takes us to a different extreme, I think, than than even a lot of other fans like Baltimore. Or some other places that would get pretty rowdy. I'm sure New York is too. But I, I love to see it, man. It's, I'll and, tell you this. I was going to tell you, sorry, Scott, one last thing, but Jeff, I am now more of a playoff baseball fan than a playoff basketball fan. That was always my ooh. second thing. It switched this year. And obviously, last year, I had a lot to do with it because of
0: the Phillies. So I agree with you, Vito. And the difference, though, I think is in football, that happens when you know there's a blowout and you know you're going to win. The difference in baseball, and this is, I think true of playoff hockey, which I think is more electric than even the NBA playoffs is it hinges on every single pitch in the, in baseball playoffs. same with hockey. Every time the puck is touching a stick, something's going to happen. And and there's, there's nothing like that suspense and it goes for nine innings and your heart gets ripped out. And you also simultaneously feel like you're on top of the world at the same time.
1: I, no question. I, I think, and the, the great thing about sports that have really long, regular seasons, like football, every, cause you only get 17 games. Like every single football game is awesome. College football. You only get 12 regular season games. Every single game means that much more just based off the simple math yeah. that there's 10% of the games that there are in a baseball season. Right. Um, and, and 20% of the games that there are in basketball or hockey. The second you put a sense of urgency and significance onto a baseball game, onto a hockey game, onto a basketball game, those sports jump to another level because it's like every single pitch, every single possession, every single shot on goal in hockey matters. And they, and, and so you can say the same thing for golf. Like I love watching golf because I'm a nerd about golf. But like when you're in the Masters and it's nine holes left and it's come down the stretch, you're at a major championship and it's every like shot. every single shot has so much pressure on it. That's like the electric moments in sports that like just resonate to such an extreme level and playoff baseball. I mean, I was lucky enough to go through this run last year and, and see the Phillies go to the world series again and how unbelievable every single month. But like that Bryce Harper home run to send the Phillies to the world series last year, even the, even though the Phillies lost, is still like a top five Philly sports moment of my lifetime. Because it was just like, again, it's you're hanging on every pitch. And at that point we had eight innings of anxiety and then Harper connects on that one. And just, Oh my God, you know, and you ever, you never say it out loud, but you always have that thought in the back of your mind, like he could go yard here. Like Harper's Harper's up to bat. He can go yard here. And what's so fun with this (laughs) Phillies team is you can say that about every single person in the lineup, except for maybe Rojas, but you know, he's at the bottom of the lineup, but then you go straight back to Schwarber. I mean, this, this team is so fun. I, I'm glad that you guys at least t- – because, again, I know I'm biased, especially when it comes to, like, Philly fan culture and how loud it gets. Like, I, I'm i unbiased about my teams, but I am biased about the fans, and I know that. It's nice to hear – because, like, passing even said, like, it's like the only time you get this kind of environment is like an SEC football stadium or, like, a you know, Beaver Stadium, you know, White crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not quite. I don't know. Whiteouts are crazy. But, I mean – to your what you were saying, Vito, like, it it reminds me of, like, have you ever gone to a concert where you're like, is this going to be a concert where everyone stands the whole time or are we going to be able to sit? And it might be an artist that, like, your friend is bringing you to see or something you don't know that well, and you're like, I wouldn't mind sitting for a few songs and just enjoying, you know? But then yeah. you end up – you go there and you're like, no, we have to stand the entire time. That's what yeah. Philly Philly's playoff games are at the bank. Yes. It's like you are standing – the entire game like you are if you sit it's like in between innings because you need a second to rest your feet and then you're back up, especially when they're hitting. You know, it's it's unbelievable. So it's been such a fun run so far. I hope it continues. Um, I mean, the Phillies are red hot. I just you got to save some of these, you know, if they move on, you got to hope that they save some of these some of these streaks. But like some of the records that are being broken, like Schwarber broke the record for most leadoff home runs in playoff history. Um he also tied Reggie Jackson for the most playoff home runs by a left-handed hitter of all time. He's only seven behind Altuve, who, uh, or not Altuve, um, oh, who was it? So There's someone who has the record, and Altuve just moved to second place on the all-time playoff home runs list. Um, and what? there was another one that was crazy. Uh, oh, the total home runs record in a playoff run. The Phillies are on pace to smash that record right now. So it's just it's super fun that every single day, oh, Castellanos too set a record yeah. for back to back games with five out of eight runs.
2: hits were home runs. Five out of eight appearances were home runs. That's insane.
1: Yeah. It was like five out of ten played appearances. It, it's just it's been such a fun run. So hopefully that continues. I'd be I'd be doing myself as a Philly fan a disservice to not talk about it on our podcast because you know it's how many runs like this do you get? You know, so we have to, as long as the Phillies are in the playoff, you're going to get a little bit of baseball talk as we, uh, as we continue. All right, let's move on Uh, Thursday night game. We are a few hours away from that game tipping off tonight. Jags at saints. We'll get into it. The saints are two point underdogs going into this game, which is frankly surprising. Um, this offense. I went on a whole rant on Tuesday's pod about, how sick of the saints I am offensively because they're especially trotting out Derek Carr with the sprained AC joint is it just feels like we're it's the exact same team as the last two seasons of Drew Brees. You have a quarterback right now who cannot push the ball down the field. The amount of times on third and nine, third and seven, they're running little check downs and all he can do is throw it to Alvin Kamara who gets tackled five yards short of the sticks for first downs in pivotal moments This defense is legit. Like I do think the Saints defense is a top 10, maybe even a top five defense in the NFL right now, but this offense is just flat out putrid with Derek Carr leading the way. Obviously, if you brought in Jameis, the the likelihood of turning the ball over increases, so I understand that. But you're also not going to be able to win a lot of football games in the modern NFL off of solely defense. You have to be able to score something, and and the way they went down to try to tie that game against the Texans on Sunday – prove that like this Saints team just is not capable right now with where Derek Carr is health wise of pushing the ball down the field and they've become completely one-dimensional they are a two-point favorite on Thursday night against a Jags team that's coming in really hot this reeks of a rat line so I'm curious to get y'all's thought on this because this is one that I'm like just take the better team who's getting points which is clearly the Jags but that that, that theory kind of backfired on me a little bit last week after I said that. So, you guys give me your thoughts. Why should we believe that the Saints are a two-point favorite in this game?
2: I'm looking for a reason myself, too. Like honestly, I think it's the defense, probably. What? They're thinking yeah. like, hey, defense is great. We'll slow them down. We have enough playmakers, right? We just got to get Kamara the ball, get out to Olave. Um, Michael Thomas is playing football, uh, which is crazy, for like multiple weeks. Um, so, He's out there and I don't know, man, I I think it's okay, but here's something I came across and why, like you're saying, Jeff, I'm going to end up taking the Jags is because the saints they are three and three, they're one, four and one against the spread. That's, that's looking at the heart of it. That's like looking at the soul of a team is their record against the spread, but they're three and three against the 32nd strength of schedule played in the NFL. Their wins have come against the Patriots and, the barely beating the Panthers by three, and then a one point win against Tennessee early on. Like and even the Tennessee Patriots like win early on. They
1: scored two defensive touchdowns in the game against the Patriots. Like, yeah, you're gonna win games when your defense puts up 14 points. Those 34 <laughs> points came from <laughs> mistakes on the Patriots and special teams and defensively. It wasn't because the offense was lights out.
2: Yeah, so so when I look at all of this, yeah, they are a great defense. It's probably why it's close. Whatever. I know the Jags have some defensive folks out. But, man, I'm not getting it either. Uh, like, I know it's at home. Maybe they're thinking it'll be kind of close because of that defense. Jags' offense has struggled at times this year. I think they're mostly past that. I think they're getting to a rhythm here.
0: Um, man, I just – I don't think – I don't believe in anything about the Saints. I think the the other thing, too, that the the Saints don't get credit for, number one, it's a, a primetime game in New Orleans. It's going to get weird. Uh, number two is – I think that defense is is really good. They're not really good in the red zone, um, but they're going to do enough to stop uh, to stop the run. Like they they straight up teams don't run on them. They they allow the tenth fewest rushing attempts, the ninth fewest yards per game, the thirteenth fewest yards per attempt per game, and the third fewest touchdowns per game. the The motion of that Jaguars offense goes to Travis Etienne when they're when he's running well that team is successful especially this week that's going to be important with the banged up Trevor Lawrence so i think that's where if you're looking for a reason where the saints are getting an advantage it's the superdome and and their defense and their defensive numbers against the run in particular um i just i i on offense there's there's not a whole lot to look to except Kamara and the fact that they have big playability. the Saints are 10th in the NFL in big play abil- in uh, in big play percentage um those are plays greater than 25 yards so uh especially with the the Jaguars having Tyson Campbell out there their best cornerback I think there's the ability to go up top with uh with uh Rashid Shaheed with Chris olave um I, I think I'm trying to figure out ways why there's the two. Right. And I think that's why, uh, you know, one big play could change the, the the look of that, that saints offense in that game. So um, I, I don't agree that, that, that line should be what it is, but uh, you know, that's, that's where I'm seeing the two.
1: Um, a, a big part of this. And I think part of the reason why the line opened there was the status of Trevor Lawrence. Like, I think we do need to put that out there at this point, yeah. all signs indicate that he's going to play. Um mm-hmm. On Monday, that was up in the air, right? So the line opens up. I'm sure there's a lot of people who hammered the Jags or hammered the Saints, and it's kind of just hung around in that kind of weird middle zone. Um, But right now, it seems by all accounts that Trevor Lawrence is going to play. He's technically listed as questionable. They're losing. I mean, no Walker Little, who has played some quality offensive line for them. Obviously, Tyson Campbell being out, Zay Jones is out in this game. Um, Trevor Lawrence is going to play in this game. Uh, He is. But the other side, it's not like the Saints are super healthy either, right? They're missing two of their starting offensive linemen. They have a third one who's banged up, who was ruled out. So we're talking about a banged up Saints. And like the way I look at this is it's like the Jags with, say, 85% of Trevor Lawrence is a, better, is a good enough offense to score enough for them to beat the Saints. I don't know how the Saints are going to score points offensively against this Jags defense that has been playing really, really good football the last three weeks. Uh, obviously they come back from from London. They continue to win. They've won three in a row. I just think the Jags are a better football team. And when the line is this close, less than a field goal, it just feels like it should be Jacksonville all the way. So I'm rolling with the Jags in here. You're giving me two points. That to me, like, you're going to you're gonna give the better team two points. Both quarterbacks are banged up. And I still like the Jags offense and uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence not at 100% going up against a really good defense than Derek Carr and this offense who was kind of bad before Derek Carr got hurt going up yep. against another really, really good defense. So I'm rolling with Jacksonville. Are all of us on the same page? We're all taking the plus two. Yep. We're going to feel yeah, really so. dumb when this pod gets released on Friday and we it, all took Jacksonville oh. and the Saints end up winning by like a field goal.
2: Oh, and I'm making this as one of my bets that count. Oh, this is one of those lock. locks. This I is considered lock for it. Me. Stone I consider cold. It this is a pipe lock. This is a lock. This is a no-brainer lock. Like I don't, I don't know what's going on in Vegas. They might know a lot more than we do. They got some insider info, but no chance, dude. This is this is straight up Jags. I, I'm going with it. I
0: I considered it a lock too because the Jags have the, the I know fifth they're not best. In London,
2: but you know,
0: no, right? But they have the fifth best uh, points per game in the fourth quarter. They have eight point three points per game in the fourth quarter. The Saints allow. <laughs> or states are 29th, they allow over that number uh, yeah. of points per game in the fourth quarter. So I, I'm going to look to – I assume that it's going to be relatively close, I think, for the most part, uh, and, and be true to the line. But when it comes down to crunch time, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to take over this game.
1: Yeah, and, and look, Trevor Lawrence is, has – he's been better, I think, this year. But I said this on Tuesday's pod, like, it is – we said it all last year that, like, last year was kind of like – Trevor Lawrence's true rookie season Because of all the Urban Meyer shit He had to deal with for a year And so in a lot of ways this is kind of like Trevor Lawrence's second true year I mean obviously he's been in the league now So you can't use that excuse forever But it's his Second year it's only you know 20 games With Doug Peterson um, Or 22-23 games With Doug Peterson Uh, Yeah I, I still expect to see A better version of Trevor Lawrence even if he's banged up I think the Jags win this game uh, all right. And you're getting two points. Jeez. All right. We'll go up next Sunday Raiders bears. This is an ugly football game. Um, the Raiders are only a three point favorite. It's going to be a battle of the backups. Is it, do we know yet if it's going to be Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell, who's going to be starting for the Raiders?
0: Could be Hoyer. <laughs> it
1: probably should be, but I, thought, I mean, I know, you know, Aiden O'Connell's first game didn't go quite as well as his preseason numbers. <laughs> um, but I, th- I thought I had heard something about uh, Aiden O'Connell starting this game. But either way, it's, you know, uh, sorry. Jimmy,
0: Jimmy G is still questionable. He's not ruled out either. No, I, th- I, yeah, but I think it's going to. I, I saw the same
2: thing that you were seeing, Jeff. Like Aiden O'Connell might end up starting. They were showing his last starts and everything. It's funny, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jimmy G is listed as doubtful. In the NFL, if you're listed as doubtful during the week, that's basically just saying you're out, but they don't want to say that you're out yet. Um, everyone else, Devontae's a little banged up. Max Crosby's a little banged up, but. I've been relatively impressed with the Raiders as a whole, like for what our expectations were for them coming into this season, right? They've played pretty well. McDaniels is still doing dumb McDaniels things. Like that's always going to be something that, that is a part of this team, as long as he's the head coach. But this bears team is just flat out. Like completely going down the tubes. Like they're, they're dysfunctional as dysfunctional gets. Um, they're going to be starting their, uh, uh, their backup quarterback is J- Justin Fields, also listed as doubtful. Um, what's the kid's name? Rage B- Bagent? Bajent, Yeah. Tyson Bagent, right? Um, who actually didn't look terrible. Like, I actually didn't think he was that. And obviously, the first play killed him. But he led them down the field and scored a touchdown, which is more than Justin Fields did when he was in the game. Um, I still feel like the Raiders, top to bottom, are just a better football team. They have blue chippers. The Raiders have no blue chippers. You know, if you're talking about like just those guys, those five star type guys, but at the NFL level, the guys who get the big contracts, they have Max Crosby, they have Devontae Adams, you know, I thought what they were doing with getting Mike Mayer involved last week was actually really, you know, starting to see him come along because he was my favorite tight end prospect coming out. And obviously, Laporte has been really good. And we saw uh, Dalton Kincaid has had some some moments so far, but he's kind of splitting reps with Dawson Knox. Michael Mayer is the guy coming out of Notre Dame that I was like, this is this dude's a beast and it's going to be really good they're starting to get him acclimated and getting him used to the the nfl a little bit and he's been really productive i don't hate this raiders team i don't like them i don't dislike them all right i shouldn't i shouldn't say i don't dislike them i don't love them i don't really like them i don't hate them i just think they're gonna be one of those i think they'll probably finish with like six or seven wins and they'll be frisky and they'll win a couple of games they aren't supposed to win but this is a game that they should win and there's a reason that they're a three-point favorite. I like the Raiders minus three in this game on the road in Chicago.
0: Yeah, Max Crosby has about nine sacks this game because the Bears' offensive line is terrible. Uh, and if it is Brian Horner, I trust him with the experience way more than I do. Tyson Magnet. Uh and, and on top of that, I, he, look, at the Bears' defense is just bad. Like This is the game where, where Josh Jacobs, who's been heating up, has a big game. I think Devontae Adams, who's been complaining about not getting uh, a, a ton of usage in that offense gets his big game of the year. I, I think that they they kind of explode a little bit on offense against a really terrible defense. Um, and the bears are one, four and one against the spread this year. Raiders three and three. If you needed any more proof that the Raiders are going to win this game pretty handily. Raiders. I Devontae, I,
1: yeah, so it's, well. it's like Devonta Adams complaining. He still has 40 catches almost 500 uh, yeah. yards and three touchdowns through six games. Like <laughs> he's he's still putting up sick numbers. He's just not quite putting up uh, Devontae Adams numbers in and the th- way that we've been used to it.
0: Yeah. And I think this is, uh, even if it's not big plays, it's one of those weeks where he gets into the end zone three times because they're, they're going to be in the red zone more often with the bears having one of the worst red zone defenses in the league.
2: Yeah. I, something's getting going in Chicago and I'm going to go ahead and take him in this game. Um, I don't know what it is. I, I, you know, whether it's Cole Komet, um, you know, Moore's DJ moore has been on and off, I guess, the last four weeks here. But like I, something's there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's going to build and be something, but it's a different spark than I think we saw in the first couple games of the year. I'm going to go ahead and take Chicago. I, I don't really have a, a good reason why. Right. You just sometimes have to go on feel and that's what we're doing here. I, I like maybe this is the game where Justin Fields just has a day. He has those, so I don't know. Um we'll if see. he
1: plays. I I I, I don't it think doesn't look it doesn't yeah. look like he's gonna play. It's really? Justin, yeah, he's he's listed as doubtful. Um so it's it's my question th-
0: earlier. He okay. was throwing hand last uh last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't I
1: saw that. I don't think we're gonna see Justin Fields in this game. And you gotta remember too, the Bears, the Browns, Jesus, the Bears. I'm looking ahead too much. The Bears have two first round picks that both are on pace to be top five picks. Right, the Bears have no incentive because let's say they get to the end of the season and they still say, you know what, Caleb Williams, Drake May, we know you you guys are studs, Shadur Sanders, Michael Penix, we know you guys, we've seen you guys, you look great, but Justin Fields is our guy, that's who we're rolling with. Then you have two top five picks that you can use on 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 positions of desperate need. Mm-hmm. And know, or you trade one of those back, you get a blue chip, you trade back, you get a ton of more picks, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a ton of opportunity here for the bears, whether it's with Justin Fields or if they decide to move on and go get Caleb Williams, or Drake may, or one of those guys coming out in the draft this year, there is plenty of reasons why the Chicago bears do not want to win football games right now. And if fields, yeah. if you want to give the kid a fair shot, which it seems like they're trying to do, if he's, especially if Breaking a finger or, or spraining a finger, whatever it was on his throwing hand, I would be surprised if we saw Justin Fields in this game.
2: Yeah, not only that, I was just looking. So it does look like it's going to be Tyson Badgett, and I'm pretty sure the last start he had was yeah he played
1: at, at Shepherd University at
2: Shepherd, and he yep. played against College of Colorado Mines. Yep, that was just okay. I'm gonna go ahead and switch my pick, Golden Colorado (laughs) to the Raiders. Uh, just for the fact that whoever their quarterback will be has at least played against stronger competition. I was gonna
1: say, I was literally just like right next to that campus when I was in Colorado a couple weeks ago. It was literally right there in the pride uh, of Golden, (laughs) it is in Golden, Colorado. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say this like, he was awesome during the preseason and he, you know, (laughs) he beat out Nathan Peterman. I mean, Nathan Peterman's a vet who's hung around the league i mean look i know we all we all bang you know bang nathan peter uh nathan peterman for his you know the four interceptions yeah yeah you know you know you know how i I roll um for that game he had in buffalo but he's been around for a while he's played for the raiders he's jumped on a few teams he hasn't been a terrible backup uh so if if you have someone like nathan peter uh peterman who's like been around for a little while and has 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 Won some games in the NFL is at least a serviceable backup versus this undrafted rookie from Shepherd University. Uh, you saying he's the next Brady? Or are You saying he's coming in it? could in be. For could be. You never know. He's the next Brock Purdy, I think, is what you meant to say. Exactly.
2: Uh, we're, we went from sixth round to Mister
1: Relevant to now undrafted. That's what we're talking. About. Undrafted second. He's the Danny Woodhead of quarterbacks. Undrafted well, well, second Smith round of quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, exactly. Uh but yeah, so we're all on the Raiders here. Um but I'd like to I there was some stuff I saw from that kid that was that were impressive. He's got the full arm sleeve tattoos. Who knows, maybe he's got a little spunk to him. Uh all right, up next, Browns Colts. The Browns coming off of a big win over the San Francisco 49ers. They go to Indy. Uh Anthony Richardson, we should at least take a moment. RIP to his rookie season. Yep. That sucks. Um, and it sucks because the one thing that he needed more than anything else is reps reps. Yep. Like what we saw out of him had been really impressive compared to how raw he was coming out of college. And the one thing we wanted out of Anthony Richardson was, can we see you grow? Can we see you go through the ups and downs of your rookie season? Cause he needs as much opportunity as possible. He's now not going to be throwing a football probably until OTAs, you know, maybe a little bit into the off season, Um, it's a shame. Uh, but obviously the Colts, they're in a position where they're like, Hey, we just, we, we spent money on Gardner Minshew. He's a quality. He's arguably probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, he'll win them some games, but ultimately like with Gardner, you know what you're going to get and you're not going to win a ton of, you're not going to make the playoffs. You're not going to go on some run, uh, which will set the Colts up for another good draft pick next year because they need more help at other positions as well. So, uh it is now the Gardner Mitchu show, but yeah, pour one out for uh Anthony Richardson in the start of his NFL career because when he was on the field so far this season, it was really, really fun. But what we saw were three injuries through four weeks with Anthony Richardson. And that's a scary place to be. He already he already had to miss one game before the AC joint thing. So maybe there's some stuff training-wise, athletic staff-wise, that they can do to change it, teach him how to fall. Maybe he can do the Tua thing where he goes and takes jujitsu so he can learn how to fall the right way. Like Tua did this off season. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's just, that's a shame because he's been really fun, but nevertheless, we do get a full season of Gardner Minshew, which honestly is just as entertaining as a football fan. I love Gardner Minshew and he's going to win games that you don't expect. And this feels like a game where that could happen, right? It's the Browns coming in off of one of the best wins of the NFL season so far The Browns knocking down the undefeated. Eagles lost too, okay? It's like I'm sitting here like saying the Eagles are the shit. Um, But nonetheless, coming in after a big win, you're going up against a team that defensively the Browns should absolutely dominate. But the Browns also, Deshaun Watson hasn't practiced this week. He's questionable to play on Sunday. doesn't seem like he's going to be playing on Sunday, so we could be getting another dose of P.J. Walker, which tells Mm -hmm. me like this game could go either direction. Um, because it does feel like a weird game where Gardner Minshew steps up and wins, but he also already had one of those games this year. So I'm not hundred percent sure. Where do you guys feel right now going into Browns Colts?
2: I'm vibe more with Cleveland. Maybe it's a home field thing, but I think it's just a dominant defense against your point. Gardner Minshew's a good quarterback. Um, he's a good quarterback. And like he'll win you a couple games in the year, but he'll also like he's um, you know, he's gonna extend plays when he can, but no one can extend plays outside of miles Garrett. Like that dude is just faster than fast quarterbacks. Like he is a monster on the defensive line. They have a lot of great players on that defense. And, and now the Colts offense has come alive a little bit. You have John the Taylor back, which is nice. So it, it does resemble like a real offense, but you're still going up against like all the guys that they have both on the defensive line. They rotate in on the outside. Newsom's played well, wards coming back and hopefully going to improve a little bit. I think he's dealing with something now. Um, now they've had some, I, I think they've had some safety issues. Now you Thornhill's back, but like either way, this defense is solid. They've performed. They've kind of dominated some teams that are good. And I don't think Indy, especially when their whole offense and all to your point about reps, everyone know all the one reps are going to Anthony Richardson in practice. Right now Minshew got to play, but this like, he didn't have time in the off season to play with these guys. It
1: was no. all going to him. So I just, he at least had tough... one week, you know, yeah, exactly. he at least had the one week where he was able to do it and they went out and won that game. I think they that did. was the game against the Texans where they put up like
2: 37 points. Yep. And so like, you know, you have those moments, but I just really think that you got to have that right. The relationship with the wide receivers and I'm sure they have some, but it's just at a different level. You're playing catch up a little bit. I'm going to go with the Browns being able to throw that rhythm off, right. That, that rhythm that's not really established even yet. And that's why I think the
0: Browns can get the win. Want to be surprised they, if they the, get a defensive touchdown either something like that? They they did exactly that last week, Vito, uh, and, and I think you're right. That's why I'm going to take the Browns too. Is that defense? its like it's it's just it's swarming like, and even against the best left tackle in the National Football League, Miles Garrett had an incredible game, uh, uh, going one on one against Trent Williams last week, and the Colts they had a, a pretty decent offensive showing in the past game last week better than I thought we would get out of Minshew. Um, but that offense as a whole looked really off uh, against a team with a, a worse defense, a slightly worse defense, I think in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they're going to go have to rely on the the ground game this week uh, to, to be successful, I think. Um, and that's going up against a Cleveland team who has given up the fourth fewest yards per game and yards per attempt per game. And all they did last week was allow 25 carries and 108 yards to the best rushing team in the NFL in the 49ers. So I think the Colts offense gets shut down by this defense and PJ Walker, who made some gr- really good plays last week. I think uh, on some really good drives, Kareem Hunt's getting back in the mix. I think they're going to be able to move the ball effectively on offense um, against this uh, against the Colts defense. And uh, and I, I think this is an easy cover. This is one of my locks to the week Browns uh, minus two and a half.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. So, like, let's do this. Let's play, let's work through the exercise. If we, if you were to draw the roadmap for where how the Colts go on to win this game, it's Shane Steichen who has the mind of like a player in that like the NFL isn't like the NBA where you can load manage and you'll you know tanking and all that stuff. That's not really something that happens. As much uh, in football, because you can't players go out there and they're fighting. And if they do play that way, they risk themselves for injury. But the the career is so short in the NFL, you have a small window to go out there and make your money. So guys lock in, right? And they they try their best to go out and and, and win every single week, every single rep. Shane Steichen thinks the same way. So even though it would be in the Colts' best interest to lose this game, Shane Steichen's staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning every single week thinking about how can I game plan against this unbelievable defense. And if there's a guy who can do it, I believe in Shane Steichen, right? Like Kyle Shanahan's this unbelievable play caller and offensive coordinator and and head coach. But – He has historically struggled against Jim Schwartz defenses. For whatever reason, it's a really, really bad matchup for them. So is there something that Shane Steichen can look at what San Francisco wasn't able to do and maybe try to exploit it? I think if you're game planning against this Browns team, you have to be able to run the football. If there's one weak spot on this Browns defense, it's in the interior defensive line, which is still really good. (laughs) I'm not saying it's a weak, I'm just that defense is so good. It is really, really good, but it's up the middle. Jeremiah wusu flies around the field and is a really, really great player. He's really good in coverage, too. But if you run the ball right at him and you get the push behind Quentin Nelson, you could probably be able to run the football. And what we've seen so far from this Colts team is that Zach Moss is a pretty damn good running back. And we didn't think that when he was in Buffalo. And now they get Jonathan Taylor back, who's starting to get more reps. That would be the game plan that comes out and does this, right? And then you bank on, can your defense force P.J. Walker into some turnovers? can you get after the quarterback a little bit? Can you force PJ Walker to make the mistakes that have kept him as a backup his entire career? And this guy who's floated around from team to team, because we saw it in the San Francisco game in a moment where San Francisco needed a big time play and they dialed up a blitz and they got after PJ Walker. He made a terrible decision and threw the ball straight to uh, whatever San Francisco quarterback picked that ball off. I forget. what's am
0: name. Lenore
1: Lenore. Um, so That would be the game plan if you're the Colts. However, I do not think they have the personnel to be able to pull it off. I think the Browns defensive line is too good. Albeit last week, Miles Garrett was going up against a banged up Trent Williams and Trent Williams who got hurt earlier in the game. So it wasn't like 100% Trent Williams. He still was relentless every single snap going up against Trent Williams, which – ultimately freed up Zadarius Smith to go out there and have two sacks yeah. of his own and play really, really good football. And I think we're going to see the same thing here. The Colts' offensive line is better this year. It's not as good as San Francisco's offensive line has played. There's no Trent Williams on that team. Even a banged-up Trent Williams isn't on that team. I like Cleveland minus 2.5 as well. Um, but all I'm saying is that if this game is close in the fourth quarter when we kind of expect it to be a blowout, which I do think will happen, I'm not going to be totally shocked because I could see a path where that where that ends up happening. Stat of the game: Browns have given up a thousand and two
2: yards through five games this season. Isn't that that's unbelievable? The team that's the fewest any NFL team has given up through five games in over fifty years. It's,
1: it's unbelievable, historic. Dude. Right wow. now, it is. I mean, they're averaging two hundred yards of offense given up a game. I mean, that is just that is stupid. That is stupid. And, and I love Gardner Minshew, but I don't think him and Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor are going to be the ones to get that job done. All right. Bills at Patriots. Bills minus eight and a half on the road in New England. I'm going to say this right now. This is my first lock of the week. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Um, the Bills have been really up and down this season, right? But for the most part, even when they've been down, they've still managed to find ways to keep games close. They've had back-to-back bad games against the Jags in London and in that game against the uh, Giants since they beat the Dolphins. The Bills quite haven't looked like the Bills, and I know that they are struggling with injuries, but every time the Bills go on one of these stretches, right, where they lose a couple games in a row or they win a couple ones tight or they just don't look like the Bills, they find a way to snap out of it. And the Patriots are down their two best defensive players still. That offense is absolutely anemic. So if you're telling me that the Bills, all they need is a touchdown and a field goal to cover this spread, to me, that's like easy, easy money. I think this is going to be an absolute blowout in Foxborough. It's a rivalry game. Josh Allen and that team, they're going to be up for it. There's no Christian Gonzalez. There's no one who can cover Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis, who was cruising through the first four weeks of the season, has gone a little bit quiet the last couple of weeks. I expect him to have a good day, and I think they get the running game back on track. Because what we saw when the Eagles played the Patriots, and every team that's played the Patriots, including the Saints in that game, what they were able to do was run the football. And up the middle against the Patriots right now is pretty weak, especially without Matthew Judon. I expect the Bills to come in and handle the Patriots, get back on track. And then again, we're going to go back to the whole, man, the Bills looked really, really good on Sunday after they had two bad weeks because it's going to be this up and down adventure with the Bills. Because that's kind of what it is with Josh Allen. But I really like the Bills this week. I think they cover the eight and a half. It's my first lock of the week.
2: It's a lot of points and it's divisional, which is why I'm (laughs) hesitating. You know, I mean, I'll tell you this looking at the schedule and who they face to your point, like the fact they blew up Miami, like this bills team is a good damn team and they lost to the Jags, but that was going to London. They lost in week one, the jets when Aaron Rodgers went down, That was crazy defense. And it was, there's a lot of emotion there. I'm going to take the bills as well. Cause I think they're going to go ahead and blow this team out. I think that's who they are. This is the, you know, I think if, Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West, it's the same as the Bills are going to be in the AFC East here. Like they're, I think they're going to go ahead and, and I know Miami's down there too. So it's a little different. They have almost two, two Kansas City Chief teams like that. But I think the Bills are going to stomp
0: on the Patriots here and cover. I'm going to take the new. Team that is hyped in the AFC—that's the Buffalo Bills. Uh, no, I think the yeah, the Bills absolutely are, are going to run away with this. I consider this as a lock too, but I'm with you, Vito. It's a lot of points. Um, I just there's there's questions on on defense. Almost their entire starting uh, secondary is is banged up. Uh, Russo and Ed Oliver are banged up on the D line, but um, apart from that, like even even. With that notwithstanding, like who are the Pats gonna throw to on offense? Yeah. Juju Smith Schuster is banged up. Uh who else? Uh uh I, like all of their wide receivers are banged up in, in New England and Mac Jones looks absolutely abhorrent. I think that that defensive line, as banged up as they are, is still gonna be able to to put enough pressure on them. I think the Bills run away with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about it this way like and obviously, again, there's been a couple of injuries since then, but after Miami beat or after Buffalo beat Miami, if they were playing the Patriots the next week, what would that spread be at? Like we're saying this is a lot of points, but just two weeks ago, 10 days ago, even what would this spread be at? Probably Buffalo minus 12, 12 and a half. half? Yeah. To yeah. Me, it's I mean, like they it, were, they were minus 16 against the giants. Right. So it's like, yeah. to me, it's like, I'm getting points for what I I expect this Bells team to be at. So if you're a believer in the bills and what this line really should be at with how terrible this Patriots team has looked is it it should be more, but because the bills kind of laid an egg on on Sunday night and yes, they found a way to win, but it was an ugly game and they had the bad game in London. All of a sudden now that's going to take away four (laughs) points that normally would be going to the bills. Like I'm, I'm taking those points and I'm running to me. Eight and a half is a big line for, uh, by normal standards, but given the context here, 10 days ago, we're talking about this probably being like a, a 12 and a half, 13 and a half point spread against the Pats. So uh, I, to me, that just feels like I'm getting points. I'm, I'm going to take the bills. All right. Commanders giants. The commanders are two and a half point favorites going to New York. That was a game that New York really, like if they had any hope whatsoever of, of feeling like this season isn't a complete disaster, They had to win that game on on Sunday. And that offense looks so bad. Still unsure about if Danny Dimes is going to play. So it looks like it's going to be another game with Terod Taylor.
0: It's better for him.
1: Probably is, to be honest. Um, (laughs) But it doesn't solve the problem of the Giants don't have anyone to catch the football. I mean, how many years in a row do the Giants have to go through this cycle of who are you throwing the football to? And it's great that Saquon's back. Uh, This commander's defense is really weird because it's like they have so much talent on their defensive line, and yet they're not getting home to the quarterback. The offensive line has still been absolutely terrible, but luckily they have a really, really solid running back in terms of like Brian Robinson as someone who just always falls forward. Like that's like one of those uh, draft things you always hear about a running back. Like he always falls forward. Like if he's hitting a hole, he may not try to break the 60-yard touchdown run like you'll see some guys try to do. But what he will always do is he'll hit you really fucking hard and he'll fall forward. And he's always going to get positive yards. I think that helps in a game like this. And flat out, like, I've just enjoyed watching Sam Howell. I, I know it hasn't looked perfect at times. And if he had a even halfway decent offensive line, I think Sam Howell's numbers would be even better than what they already are, which are still pretty impressive through six weeks. I like the commies here. I think that loss on Sunday night is is a big-time like devastating emotional loss because for the Giants like this could have made us feel like damn okay maybe we can turn our season around and find a way to be two and four just two games out from 500 maybe find a way to sneak into the wild card that kind of like put the nail in their season's coffin already just six weeks in and I kind of feel like coming out with a backup quarterback you always have like like maximum of like three games is kind of what you can survive with a backup quarterback, right? Because the backup's going to come in. You usually get at least one good game, you know, the Colt McCoy theory where you're going to get like one good game of Colt McCoy that he's going to somehow win and then probably two losses. And then you got to hope that your starters back Tyrod Taylor gave you the one good game where he was at least good enough to keep you in it. I don't think they're going to get that here in a divisional game. I like the commies on the road. Uh, minus
2: two and a half here. Oh man, I'm gonna go <laughs> ahead. All right, so here's what I had, I had, I had written down, wrote down. Um, Giants defensive line against that offensive line. Like I think Dexter Lawrence gonna have a massive day. So I originally had taking the Giants. Um, I like Terod Taylor. Uh, I like some of the weapons they have, but. I'm looking at this and it's actually more of like sweat and chase young against that giants offensive line. I think it's probably going to be more important than what Dexter Lawrence can do. Um Man, I'm going to go ahead though and stick with the giants, take the vet over the rookie, you know, or somehow how the young QB is going to be in there getting thrown around. So yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. I'm going to go ahead and take the giants.
0: I love that pick Beto. I love it. Uh The, the Giants are going to be able to move the ball through the air a bit more, especially with Tyrod Taylor being able to throw the ball. Uh, Wandale Dale Robinson is back; he's been super efficient, I think, uh, in, in his returns when they do throw the ball, and it's going to be a beneficiary or beneficial for them to have Tyrod Taylor uh, doing doing that instead of Daniel Dimes. Um, but uh, I just I, I think they're able to move the ball more I, that uh, through the through the passing game. The the Commanders are are bad. Right now in the in the, in the the past defense, they rank 29th in overall yards and yards per play, 27th total uh, in passing yards, uh, 26th in yards per attempt, uh, 23rd in QB rating against. And if you're going to make Terod Taylor look like a, a quality NFL quarterback, which I think that secondary could, it's going to be a long day for them. And dating back to 2018 in games where the Giants are playing Washington, where the spread is three or lower. The Giants are five, one and one against the Spring. Give me the Giants.
1: I I look, I understand, but to me, like their secondary is a great example of stats versus eye test. Because the game against Buffalo, the passing yards given up against Philly, and then the DJ Moore game completely skew what I've seen from the rest of this, this secondary, like Emmanuel Forbes got fucking lit up by AJ Brown in that game against Philly. He got absolutely torched by uh, um, Stefan Diggs against Buffalo. And he got lit up by DJ Moore. Right. And that's on both sides. It's St. Juice and him, but St. Juice was a really good player last year and my eye test. And the one thing that I've really enjoyed with this Washington team is seeing what their secondary does. Like they create turnovers. They're, they gamble a little bit. They'll jump routes, but they force turnovers. And that defensive line, like Chase Young, I don't know what the deal with Chase Young is, man. Um, Brian Baldinger was on part of my take this week, and, and no one watches more film than Brian Baldinger. And his whole thing is just like, I don't see the effort out of Chase Young. It's like he's got all of the talent in the world. He's still too one-dimensional, like coming out of Ohio State when everyone's trying to compare him to the Bosa brothers. They're like, no, the Bosa brothers came out with like, five, six, seven moves and counter moves from rushing a passer. Chase, Bra- Chase Young just dominated you with size and speed, and that's not going to be able to translate long-term in the NFL. And when Chase Young turns it on, he can wreck games. For whatever reason, we just haven't seen it be super consistent with it. I don't, again, I don't know if it's an effort thing. I don't know what it is. It just hasn't looked great, I think, top to bottom. But the secondary in games against Denver, games against Arizona, games against Atlanta played pretty well. Right, I mean they they've done a good job against teams with and and who again in this Giants wide receiver core scares you. I mean, pass catchers wise, it's like Saquon and Darren Waller, but Darren Waller's already banged up again, and it's Tyrod Taylor throwing them the football. I I love the second. I, I think the secondary numbers are a little skewed. Um, what my eyes tell me is this is a secondary that's opportunistic, and they might gamble and they might get it wrong, but they're still going to be out there to make plays. So, um I think this is I think this is the Commanders all the way. Also, by the way, on Sam Howell before we move on to the next game. I think what he's done so far this year getting the Commanders to 3 and 3, looking as solid as he's looked given how terrible his offensive line is is almost as impressive as if he had a good offensive line and was coming out here and 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 like putting up big numbers. Like I think it says a lot about a young quarterback who can hang in the pocket with a terrible offensive line, can still get your team competitive in almost every single game, and has your team above five or at 500 through six games with that bad of an offensive line? Credit to Sam Howell, like, I think he deserves a shitload of credit for that. One to throw, that yeah. There. No, I'm agreed. a Sam Howell,
0: yeah. Guy. No, I, he's he's been phenomenal. I hope, I hope for the people of our region where we live, Jeff, uh, that he's good because I'm tired of hearing them complain about them and never having a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I know. Dude, it's been so... <laughs> I got to just quick aside of, as we're talking about Washington people. It's been so fun, back-to-back, deep playoff runs with the Phillies because they all hate Bryce Harper so much. Oh, yeah. And what's so funny is it's like none of them actually know like the story of what happened. And I know the story because I was tracking Bryce Harper like I was an SEC fan tracking planes about who our next head coach was going to be you know Chip Kelly was was in Tuscaloosa or not Tuscaloosa was in you know Auburn you know doing these things like that's how I was with Bryce Harper I was like where is he who's he meeting with what's going on and it's it's so funny because I was talking with my friend Rachel who's a diehard sports fan Washington sports fan and she's like well I love Trey Turner you know Trey didn't do anything wrong like Bryce all that stuff and I was like And who did, he's like, Bryce is just a dick. He's just a douchebag. Like everything about him. He's just such an asshole. And I'm like, but you love Trey Turner. She's like, yeah. I was like, why did Trey Turner come to Philly? And she was like, well, I I was like, to play with who? And she was like. Well, no, like they were super tight when he was in ah. Washington. I was like, and why were they really tight yeah. when he was in Washington? She was like, I don't like this game. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, next up, Falcons, Bucks NFC South. This is a big game. May not seem like it seven weeks into the season, six weeks in the season going into week seven, but this is a big game because th- whoever wins this game, kind of gets put in the driver's seat as to what we expect to be the winner of the NFC South. It's going to be huge for, you know, Ty, because I think both the uh, the uh, Buccaneers and the Falcons end of the season, I think they're going to be at similar records. So this is big for head-to-head matchups, right? Who gets the season series? This game's in Tampa Bay. Right now Vegas has it essentially as a, a pick'em on a neutral field. Um, but because it's in Tampa Bay, it is a two-and-a-half point favorite towards the Bucks. This is going to be kind of a fun game. This to me is like when I like this past weekend, Iowa, Wisconsin. It's like no one's expecting a college <sighs> football playoff team to come out of the Big Ten West, but you know, I'm going to watch the game when those two teams go up there and it's going to be ugly and weird and gross. And that's exactly what sicko football fans love more than anything else. So I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be really fun. I'm leaning Tampa Bay here. But also, I kind of just want to take the points. Like I kind of like it's one of those games where it's like I think it's going to be really close and I'd rather just have those extra two and a half points on my side. So I'm kind of split in between. What do you guys feel right now?
2: I'm taking the Bucs. I think the fact that it's two and a half half, I'm more worried about three or three and a half. But I think the Bucs are the better team. I think that on offense, um, they have more established. Godwin's really having a great season. They have more established weapons. Baker's playing well. Um, The Lions played better than they did at least, uh, to start the season. And then on the other side of the ball, I love what Vita Vey is doing on defense. He's still been killing it. Um, now I know the Falcons have a pretty good line, but Desmond Ritter hasn't played great. And you know, both the team have a couple of good safeties there. Uh, listen, man, I'm just going with the team that I like more and that I've probably watched more of and enjoyed watching more of, like, I enjoy watching this Bucks team watching the Falcons, man. I'm just like, what's going on here. Um, I don't know. It hasn't Control been the chaos.
0: great.
2: Yeah. The best they looked was when they were a toy story and Bijan was doing the jukes. So outside of that, like I, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and take the bucks here with the points and
0: that they're going to cover. I'm sorry. Those two and a half. Yeah. I don't know. The, the Falcons have played some tough defenses. They played the lions and Jaguars and back to backs <clears throat> and the commanders who are, as we said in the last one, not necessarily a slouch on defense. I, I think the Tampa offense is not explosive enough to put any distance between them, um, especially in the first half where Atlanta's had to come back and play from behind in a lot of these games. Um, and that's where Des- Desmond Ritter hasn't been super sharp through a couple of these games. But a-, a lot of times when he's bringing that that team back in the fourth quarter, there's something uh, in crunch time where he just turns it on. He's He's in the top 10 in QB metrics for – in, in the fourth quarter with the QBR of 92.3. And I think this game is going to be close. It's going to come down to that crunch time. And I think Desmond Ritter and that offense gets the job done. The Falcons defense does their job against the the Bucks offense all day long because they're that good, I think. Uh, and the Falcons cover the two and a half. Oh, Jeff's on mute. Oh, baby. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, the host no. with a fine.
1: that 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 might be a first that might be a first i think think that's a first 214 episodes (laughs) literal like days of recording (laughs) like oh man that's devastating that's a that's a
0: Rookie, you hate to see it. Yeah, that's that's Taraj Taylor. Can
1: happen to anybody. That's Taraj Taylor changing it to a running play on the goal line before the half on Sunday Night Football last week. Man, (laughs) I'm a I'm a crafty vet at this point. I can't be making mistakes like that. (laughs) What are we doing? Oh God. Uh, (laughs) so what I was trying to say was that that didn't help me at all because you guys split. Yeah, (laughs) And you both made good arguments for each side. You're welcome. Ultimately, I think from our total roster standpoint, I think Atlanta is the better football team. I think Baker's the better quarterback. Baker struggled in the last two weeks, and albeit against like tough competition. I want to see them get right again, but I think what we've seen so far out of Baker is that when they've gone up against really solid defenses, we're starting to see some of the limitations that Baker has, which is not to say that Baker isn't balling out and playing great this year. He is. But again, compared to the expectations we had coming into the season, he's not playing like Mahomes. He's not playing like Josh Allen or Jalen hurts or any of these like elite quarterbacks, but he's been playing well enough. And I do like this bucks defense a lot, but this Falcons team has impressed me. And the one thing about this Falcons team, and I want to go through all their games um, real quick. So I had to adjust my, uh, we're doing a slightly different camera angle here because I, I, the Phillies are about to start off. Um, But pretty much every single game of theirs has been relatively close. Even the loss against Jacksonville, like Atlanta was hanging in that game until the fourth quarter. The game against Washington, they had a chance to come down late and win that game. They beat Houston at the end of the wire. They beat Green Bay at the end of the wire. They took care of business against Carolina, but that game was also a little bit tighter in the first half than we thought. The only game that really wasn't close was the week three loss against Detroit. And that's just because I think Detroit is in that next tier in terms of quality of team. I think Atlanta is a really, really good roster top to bottom. And I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be fun. I just haven't been super impressed with what we've seen out of Tampa Bay the last couple of weeks when they've gone up against some stuff, stiffer competition. I'm going to take the Falcons. I'm going to take the points. It's definitely more of a points play because to me, this, this game on a neutral field is a, this is a super bowl type game, neutral field it's a, it's a pick them. It's either side. So I'm going to take the points with Atlanta. Um, but I expect this game to be really exciting. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be a fun one. So Scotty and I are on the Falcons veto. You are on your bucks, which again, I'll say it every time we talk about the bucks credit to veto. Cause you're the only one that saw this one coming, at least on this podcast. Thanks. Bro. Uh, <laughs> credit where credit's due, man, always. All right. Last game of the one o'clock, and then we'll take a quick break. Lions, Ravens. This is a fun game. This is a this is a who are you, Baltimore. This yeah. is a who are you, Detroit kind of game. Because with the way the Ravens have been playing so far. Detroit should win this game. And this would be a really, really nice little piece to throw in that resume. Especially the Eagles have a tough matchup this week. The Niners are going to have a tough matchup against Cincinnati next week. This is an opportunity that if Detroit wants to flirt around with that number one seed, which they very much can, this is a game to prove it. And I'll tell you what, I know it's been a couple of years. I just asked this, this question at trivia night a couple of weeks ago, so it's fresh in my mind if you're a player on this Detroit team, Dan Campbell's first year, are you still not thinking about that 66 yard field goal from Justin Tucker?
2: Oh, no, you yeah. definitely remember that. Cause that's a hundred percent. That's a, that's a top. That's one of the best football plays of all time. Like the most exciting insane football things that you've
1: seen at the end of the game, especially like, yeah, and and remember where that what was happening, like how we got to that point in the game was Detroit went down and scored a touchdown with like seventeen seconds left. It was like less than thirty seconds left, and you're like, holy shit! They tied the game. It's going into overtime, and like I, I can't believe the line to that They might even had to get a two point conversion to tie it. Like it was an epic end that Detroit's like again, and that was the year. Remember where they didn't win a game until like week eleven, week twelve. Yes. So, for Detroit, you gotta think with Dan Campbell and the way that dude's wired. That kick is in the back of his mind. You're going to Baltimore. To me, I think Detroit's the better team. Jamison Williams coming back. I know the offense didn't look incredible last week for for Detroit. But with Jameson Williams coming back, that totally adds another dimension to them. Now they have a Monroe true number one. They have a young speedster who's taken going to take the top off the field. And Jameson Williams, you got this rookie tight end who's been fucking awesome. And then a really good offensive line and a good stable of running back. Steven Montgomery, a little banged up, but I think he's expected to play. And you're getting three points on the road against this Baltimore Ravens team that has been nothing short of disappointing offensively the entire season. I love the Detroit lions. This game's probably too tight for me to do it, but I'm going to do it right now. Detroit lions plus three lock of the week.
2: Ooh, lock lock, man. I'm more, listen, you guys know, I like Baltimore more than my, I, I still have them in the super bowl. This is a massive game. I think this is a chance to your point. I think the lions offense is great. I don't like everything that's happening on this Ravens defense. Um, I do, you know, Lamar's still Lamar. Mark Andrews has gotten going. I, man, it's just this defense is still pretty damn good for Baltimore. Like this is a damn good defense. This is probably going to be an under game, but I I mean, dude, Jared Goff is number one in PFF ranking for quarterbacks. Like he has been that good this year. This offense is no joke and they also have a damn good defense. They're, they're almost what I thought Baltimore would be, you know what I mean, um, yeah. at this point in the season. And and hopefully they become that. The fact that I'm saying that out loud probably indicates you know where I'm going. But, like, I love this team, but I'm going to take Detroit as well. I think plus three is a lot for what what's happening here. You know, if they lose by a field goal, they push. I'll take that. I'll take that. Because they've gotten better since that game that you were talking about, Jeff, a lot. And I think that they're here to stay in the NFL in this top ranking.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that that 66 yard field goal and then the next season they were on hard knocks and then everybody started talking about the Lions. And now we've reached this point where uh, up to through week seven of this season where we're like, hey, the Lions are pretty good. Uh, And and so that I don't know if that was the the kickstart moment, but it maybe could have been for the Lions. But uh, initially when I saw this line, I was like, oh, Justin Tucker covering the three easy um, in in a tight game. And then I started looking at the numbers, especially in crunch time. This is going to be a close game. I think both defenses are elite. The Ravens on offense run the ball at the second highest rate in the NFL at 52% and are eighth overall in rush EPA. But the Detroit defense is seventh in defensive EPA overall and their top five in rush EPA. Baltimore in the fourth quarter, where I think this game is going to come down to Baltimore in the fourth quarter, their defense is 16th in EPA allowed per play. And their offense is 25th in total points and EPA in the fourth quarter. They just absolutely crumble when it, it comes to legume cutting time. And Detroit is going to start putting it on them and putting it on them and putting it on them with the pass rush, with the with the uh, run defense. And, and I think that 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 is what gets this done. Uh, on top of if you give Jared Jared Goff any more possessions in the fourth quarter, uh, their their offense is second in in the NFL and EPA per play in the fourth quarter. And 53% success rate. Uh Jared Goff is also one of the top five quarterbacks in, in fourth quarter EPA as well. A QBR uh rather as well. And it's, I it like it, it it it's a lock to me too, Jeff. So I'm locking it in as well. Ooh, Lions plus three.
1: Two, we got a double lock on the on the Lions. And I look, I'm gonna say this here. I don't think the Baltimore Ravens defense is elite. They are still banged up from injuries before the season and earlier on in the season. But more than that, look at who they've played. They haven't played a good offense yet this year. They played Houston week one, rookie quarterback making his first ever NFL start. They played Cincinnati week two. They almost lost that game. They won 27 to 24. And it was also Joe Burrow on one leg before that often seemed to have kicked another gear. But still, Cincinnati's offense is a huge question mark. It was Indianapolis with Gardner Minshew. That was the Gardner Minshew game where he came in and finished that game. They lost that game to Indy. They beat Cleveland, which that is the one feather in the cap that you would say for this offense so far this year. But I think they had a defensive touchdown in that game. Um, and if I recall correctly, that was the game with um, uh, uh, was that was that the DTR game where he came in and threw a million interceptions? Was it? Yeah. I believe, so. Yeah. Yeah, because it was 28-3. It wasn't even close. Then they lose to Pittsburgh, an offense that's been terrible this year. And then they beat Tennessee, a terrible offense. They haven't played a good offense yet. We haven't no, seen the, them. strength the challenged. schedule is
2: 27 and, and for the
1: NFL right now so that they've to, played to date. To, to me, like, those numbers look great and, and they sound great. But when you put it in the context of who they've played, they haven't had to play a, a, a tough offense yet and Detroit. Is a really good offense with a really good offensive coordinator. I think they get exposed, and this is also probably the first game this season where Baltimore is going to lose the line of scrimmage battle with their defensive line. You could say maybe Cleveland, but again, that game was such a weird kind of blowout that I, I don't even think that that necessarily matters. So, yeah, I'm I'm all in with Detroit. We got double lock. All three of us are on the Lions, and with that, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in the half. We got a few more games to get to. We got the afternoon, and then of course. Sunday and Monday night and we're going to pick a few uh, college games as well which one of our alma maters might be playing the night of us recording that and uh, playing in a primetime spot which will be a lot of fun making their first appearance on the pod the James Madison University Dukes ranked number 26th in the country we will pick that game and others on the other side take a quick break we'll be back in one sec all right got the afternoon slate the late afternoon slate I should say. Uh, Got some fun games in the four o'clock window here. At least two fun games, Um, potentially three. Vito, your boys have a a very winnable game. A game that's a close game. Hopefully, 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 we'll get to that one a little bit. It's a four twenty five kickoff, but we're going to start with the four or five games. Steelers at Rams. This is going to be a Steelers home game. At least the atmosphere is going to feel that way. Uh, Did not see the Steelers because
0: there's no LA fans. Did
1: not see the Steelers play last week, Uh, and the Rams three and three have been really fun, really frisky. Uh, We'll see if maybe the Steelers coming off their bye, maybe they woke up a little bit. Maybe Matt Canada is going to decide to push, you know, change what he's been doing for the last seven years and decides to push the ball down the field. That's not going to happen, but a man can hope.
0: Did you see, by the way, (laughs) the opening game that the Pittsburgh Penguins had? They were chanting in the stands. (laughs) <laughs> in the PPG arena. Fire Canada. Fire. Really?
2: Yes. Like open chanting of like, you know, sometimes at Philly games would be an Eagles chant. And you're like, yeah, it's cool. Literally yeah. imagine just, yeah, all the fans of the Penguins game were just chanting
1: fire. Him. It was crazy. Fire Canada? Yeah. That's funny. It, I'm surprised that never happened with at a Phillies game with like fire Gannon. Fire Gannon. Yeah. <laughs>
2: nothing. It's Canada got it for, it's crazy. That's how bad it is.
1: That's a Pittsburgh fans that before Philly fans. That's that's yeah. saying something. I, I mean, <laughs> they've been dealing with it for, it hasn't been seven years, but it's been five. I think uh, five. Yeah. I think it's because he was there for the last three years. Maybe maybe might be four. This might be his fifth season, but it's, it's been four mm-hmm. years, I think. Cause, cause he was at Maryland still when I was working on ESPNU. And I remember when he got fired and then he got hired at, as the OC for Pittsburgh and he was supposed to help big Ben And that didn't work in the last couple of years with Big Ben. And then now with Kenny Pickett, it's been a disaster. Um, But we are seeing that when they are forced to push the ball down the field in the end of games and Kenny Pickett just goes, fuck it, I'm throwing it to George Pickens and I'm ignoring my offensive coordinator. The offense doesn't look bad. It it really hasn't. But as long as Matt Canada is there and he's the one calling the plays, it's going to continue to look like this, which is frankly a disservice to Kenny Pickett and everyone on that entire offense. I really like the Rams, and I really toyed with this being one of my locks of the week because I think the Rams are a good football team, just flat out. I I think they can run the ball really, really well. Kyron Williams has been one of the most undertaught. Everyone's focusing on Puka Nakua, understandably. And Cup. And Cup coming back as well. But, like, Kyron Williams has kind of been, like, the engine of this offense through six weeks. He's kept them in games. He's broken off big runs. He scored a lot of touchdowns. I know I'm proud because I picked him up in our fantasy league and he's been great for me. Kyron Williams has been one of the underrated storylines of the season so far. And that's because Puka Naku was coming out here and shattering records, still top five in receiving yards so far this season. And to get Cooper Cup back and they have the dependable tight end. And it looks like, you know, this time last year, we were talking about like what's wrong with Matthew Stafford and the rumblings of the elbow stuff was starting to come out. He looks healthy. You know, his arm still looks as live as, as we're accustomed to seeing Matt Stafford's arm look. I really like this Rams team. I've, it's been fun watching them as, you know, going up against them earlier this, you know, a couple weeks ago with the Eagles. Like they're a team that scares you when you play them. I, I think defensively they've been pretty impressive. And I think the Steelers offense is kind of just going to keep It's it's the tires stuck in the mud, man, just circling over and over again. I like the Rams minus three here at home. I know it's going to feel probably more like the Steelers game because Steelers fans travel as well as they do. But I like the Rams here. I think the Rams get above 500. I, to them, them or the commanders is going to be that last team in the playoffs in the NFC. And I, I really like the Rams to win this week. So I'm taking the Rams minus three.
2: I'm taking the Rams and I am making it a lock of the week because Ooh. I am that confident in this. Um, I know listen, the Steelers can rush the edge. But when you have receivers that can get separation and get open quick, like cup and, and Puka Nakua, like well, you're going to see that happen. So I'm going to go with the Rams, man. I think they're going to cover, Dude, make it
0: a hundred percent, uh, on the nose, Vito. Uh, look, the, the only argument I've heard against, uh, this spread for the, for the Steelers covering is that their defensive edges are going to get pressure and make, uh, make Matthew Stafford uncomfortable. They've got 11 takeaways this year. Um, because of of that, Stafford's got five interceptions already. Don't skew it because that is is like the first two weeks of the year or three weeks of the year that he had the five interceptions. So don't worry about that. And and furthermore, when we did see the the Rams play against a dominant off or defensive line, uh, I'm using the 49ers game as an example. They sch- they schemed for it, right? Yeah. It was quick passes, Puka slant out, good done, ball out in two seconds. And now they have two guys who can do that with Cooper Cup coming back. Cooper Cup didn't even play in that game, uh, and so now they have Cooper Cup that that they can operate out of the slot too with Puka. And on top of that, they they have been really really good at running the ball off of the blitz this year. That's what's been part of the big success of Kyron Williams. And so I think they're going to be able to do that pretty effectively uh, as well. So, look, uh, the Steelers allow the most rushing yards as well on the on the on the ground. Um, they allow uh, 143. rushing yards and Kyron's coming off a big game against a a, a run defense that that last week in the Cardinals that was somehow better than the, uh, the Steelers defense in that category. But uh, I think Kyron has a big game. I think the Cooper cup has about like 12 receptions in the, in the first half again, like he did last week. Uh, And, and I think that the, they, the Rams who with McVay do a a better job than most teams in the NFL, scheming up what they're going to come up against uh, in, in, any given week so i'm gonna take the rams as well
1: i think Not that's gonna... such a I, I think that's such a fantastic point there scotty and i didn't mean to cut you off if you had something else you want to say but just the because they've gone up against two elite defensive lines to this point right they went up against the niners and they went up against the eagles with cooper cup and in that game they did the same thing it wasn't until the very end of that game when Hassan Reddick had the two sacks to close out the game and like, don't around, Jalen Carter was like wreaking havoc, destroying the pocket. There's no one on the interior that, that comes close to, to Jalen Carter or to Javon Hardgrave um, and uh, and Eric Armstead and the guys in San Francisco that can yeah. affect the middle for Pittsburgh. It's TJ Watt who's going to be doing that. But they still did a really, really good job of game planning around that. What killed the, the Rams in the second half was the Eagles adjustments in the secondary and the way that they played against Puka – Cooper Cup after the opening drive it was really like the second quarter through the rest of the game is when the Eagles really made their adjustments and really affected them. It wasn't the defensive line until, again, like the end of the game. But don't get me wrong, again, Jalen Carter's like making it harder for them all day, just like T.J. Watt's going to make it hard on Matthew Stafford all day, which is why I think three is a pretty good line. But I think this, the Rams find a way to get about a touchdown here ahead, and I think they hold on to it because – if it's a one possession game, then we're going to see again like that backyard football type stuff with Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. In which case, this could be a backdoor cover where the the Steelers find a way to score a touchdown on a final drive and 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 you know, go on to win it. And we all are pissed. Like, how the hell did the Rams blow that game?
0: And Deontay could be back this week too. So and getting yeah, getting weapon.
1: Deontay Johnson would help for them too. But I still like the Rams. I think the Rams are the better team. I think they go on to win this game. I think they yeah. cover the spread. So we're all in agreement. Uh, Arizona and Seattle. We got an NFC West matchup here. The Seahawks at home, eight point favorites. Um, I'll say in this game, it kind of feels like the Cardinals with how frisky they've been. You know, obviously they beat the uh, the Cowboys in that game. They were up how? Was it was a twenty eight points or whatever they were up against against the Giants in Week Two. It, it does kind of feel like we're due for another frisky Cardinals game because they've been quiet the last few weeks. But I'll tell you what, I was really impressed with what I saw out of the Seattle Seahawks in that game against Cincinnati. Their defense in the red zone was outrageously good. And credit to the Bengals, because their defense just played a little bit better. Uh, I don't think the Cardinals' secondary or overall defense is even as close to as good as Cincinnati's. I think Seattle is a really, really good offensive team. Covering eight points might be tough, especially if the Cardinals come out and are frisky in this game. Like, I think they might be. But the one thing that Seattle has done a really good job of this year, and it reminds me of those uh, Legion of Boom type teams, is they are committing to the run, but they're not entirely run dependent. Like They have all of these great weapons that they can throw the ball to. They can throw the ball to DK and Tyler Lockett and this kid Bobo that they got, and obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba. Noah, Fant Noah fans has been yeah, yeah. Yeah, Noah Fant's been really, really good in the second as, as another op and option. But they've also been consistent and like, hey, let's make sure that we're establishing the run. They're they're doing what every you know dad across North America says when their team's losing. Establish the run, establish the run and, and play work, play action, all that stuff. Like that's what they're doing. Is, they're they're <laughs> letting you know that like you have to be worried about Kenneth Walker. And then if you're not, then Geno Smith is going to be able to throw the ball. I mean, they outgained Cincinnati by almost 200 yards in that game last week, and they just couldn't execute in the red zone. I don't think they have to worry about the red zone execution against this Cardinals team as much as it was important against Cincinnati. Eight's a lot of points, especially for a divisional game, but I think I'm leaning towards the Seahawks. I'll let you guys see if you can talk me out of it, but I like Seattle this week.
2: It's a lot of points, man. Um that's that's what I'm most worried about because, uh, like you said, it's divisional. When it's over a touchdown divisional game, that's where I get worried. I do like Dobbs. I think he could keep it within a touchdown, even if you get a touchdown late at the end. This is a really tough <clears throat> decision here because, to your point, the Seahawks' offense and defense have both been churning. I definitely think they're going to win. Now, the, the challenging thing is, are they going to win by enough, right? They blew the Giants out a few weeks ago which this could be, you know, like that. I think the Cardinals offense can be just shut down with a defense like Seattle's. Um, a lot of their other wins have been, you know, again, they've been good, but six points, eight points, you're right in between all that, um, Nine, you know, nine points. So, like, they have one win by ten points, and that's against the Panthers. So, uh, they can put down these good teams. Um, I think they're going to, and I have the Seahawks actually covering as well.
0: Oh, God. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid, people. This team is not that good. Ooh. Honest to God. Oh, their, defense, go. their defense is solid. I'll totally
1: unbiased. Completely unbiased. Completely, Scotty he hates here. them both. Not, so. <laughs> no, but the Cardinals are one of them. He doesn't care. he, no, he doesn't he, care. He doesn't care about the Cardinals. He cares I'll about give the Rams. A damn and the about Seahawks, the Cardinals, so. yeah. <laughs> totally nice. look, unbiased, Scotty here. Offensive not even line, remotely biased.
0: Offensive line stinks. Geno Smith's not that good. Kenneth Walker is carrying this team by himself on offense. Uh, apart from DK Metcalf, who's who's That's just, got none of that is true. MLT. Just nothing no, we just said is true. This not podcast a single does
1: thing. not
2: agree with all of Scotty's views. On yes,
1: this <laughs> is Geno Smith just, stinks. I mean, look to to do our for our listeners' sake here. None of that is true, what Scotty just said. Their offensive line has been playing exceptionally well, especially when you factor in the fact that their right tackle has been done for the year.
0: Bad red zone offense.
1: Okay. D.K. Metcalf. I mean, Geno Smith is putting up the exact same numbers he put up a year ago when he was a Pro Bowl quarterback and one of the top passers in the NFL.
2: He is ninth rated in PFF at quarterback. Walker is rated ninth at running back. Noah Fant's rated seventh at tight end. They're a well-balanced offense. Yeah.
1: Well, completely well-balanced offense. And defensively, they've been one of the top secondaries in the NFL so far this year. And they actually have a pass rush this year, which they didn't have last year. Bobby Wagner's back controlling the middle of that lineup. They're great against the run. What are you talking about? This isn't a good team.
0: Enough of that guy. Uh, Listen, (laughs) I extend the olive branch twice to these Seattle Seahawks on my parlay cards, and they have failed me miserably both times. The only losses on those Three and four, uh, no, four and five leg cards. By the way, so screw them, screw their team, uh, screw their dumb city. Last time the uh, spread eclipsed six points in this matchup, Seattle uh, was an eight point favorites at home, and they lost. Go what Cardinals! Year,
1: when was that?
0: Doesn't matter. 2019. No, it does.
1: Twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, Checks watch. Four years ago.
0: <laughs> which I don't,
1: How many players were on Seattle? Yeah. Then that is are still on the Seahawks now. Bobby Wagner, but he's also changed teams since then. <laughs> <laughs> he's left and come back.
2: God, I love it. I love. Make I There's nothing that can make
1: a, a Scotty hate
2: a team more. I was like, he hates Seahawks so bad. What made it worse? Gambling. Gambling, Gambling. made it worse. That's exactly what. It
1: well, hey, look, I, I tell you what. I'm all about petty. It's cool, man. I got you. I got being petty's fine. And honestly, again, that's what eight, Tom said. Eight. Did he say that? I don't know. know,
0: Maybe (laughs) he said the Seahawks are bad. I know that.
1: (laughs) Yes. Tom Petty, notorious Seattle Seahawks hater. That's what I I like most about him. (laughs) R.I.P. on his gravestone. Rock and roll legend and notorious Seattle Seahawks hater, Tom Petty. (laughs) I'll say this. I don't think picking the Cardinals here is a bad pick. I I genuinely don't because – I think we've seen enough out of Josh Dobbs and we've seen enough out of this Cardinals team to know that they can be frisky in the divisional matchup. Anything can happen. Like I wouldn't be shocked. I just think Seattle coming off of that loss, like Pete Carroll's getting into them. They know that they are capable of being one of the best teams in the NFC. I genuinely believe that their defense is legit. I think they have an easy top 10 and they're probably around that sixth or seventh ranked defense right now in the NFL. I just think Josh Dobbs, it's that same thing we said with the backup quarterbacks. It's like the Josh Dobbs story was great through three weeks when they beat Dallas and they should have beaten the Giants. And, you know, and that wasn't an on Josh Dobbs. But eventually, like, we've started to see, like, the gas is starting to kind of run out. Like, what I'll tell you this is Josh Dobbs has 100% cemented himself as, like, he's going to have a long career as an NFL backup after this season. But, I mean, he you just you, – I know you don't like them, but you got to give credit where credit's due. Seattle has looked really good, and Cincinnati's one of those teams that's coming up on the other end. That game was awesome last week.
0: Um, oh, I, I'll but, give them credit because it's going to make it sweeter when we kick their ass twice this year, maybe they three give times. Give them
1: credit. Then don't lie and say that they're terrible.
0: It was, it was really the gambling thing. That's all it was. <laughs> I love a petty Scotty. I love when, I love a petty Scotty.
1: Scotty Petty. Uh, all right. Also, by the way, I have the Phillies game on in the background. Does anyone else find it hilarious that the starting pitcher in this game for the Diamondbacks' last name is Fart? Because it just sounds like someone from Boston saying fart.
2: It does. I just can't believe this game started at 2 p.m. for West Coaster, like for Arizona yeah. people. That's, I know. Yeah, we, were, we, were, we, were te-
1: we were texting about that before uh, when we were
2: my figuring out. My friends lived our, there, our and they were like, time. it's going to be empty anyway. There was a story that Philly fans were buying them oh tickets. You know did you mean? see?
1: Did you see? It yeah. tw- it was $21. Yeah. To go to an NLCS game.
2: That's because it was a 2 p.m. on a Thursday. Who can do that? It's going to be over by the time you get out of You World know, League.
1: who would have, you know, if there was a 2 p.m. playoff game in the NLCS in Philadelphia?
0: So not going for $21,
1: game. telling you no. that. No. Yeah. Telling you that. All right. A uh, couple more games in the late afternoon slate. Vito, your Broncos, we did not get to oh, hear boy. from you. Um, It feels yeah. like we're in full blown, like, fire sale mode i mean there's jerry judy rumblings left and right um there was a denial there's i'm in a, denial can i ask you about a quote that uh, that came up oh, yeah. last, last year that somebody pulled and i was like oh because i don't think it's i would be shocked because just knowing how sean payton's wired but also sean payton has been shady before in his nfl coaching career he said last year when he was on the Fox desk, they were talking to about Caleb Williams. And he said something. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said something along the lines of. Caleb Williams, you don't see and you've we've never seen an NFL team tank before. The Caleb Williams is good enough that an NFL team would probably tank for him. And now we're seeing this Broncos oh, team, uh,
0: the script.
1: Four script is here, in. <laughs> one in five, trying to buy. I think right now they have the third overall pick. I mean, the, the Panthers need to win a game at least for them to get past that point. And for the record, I do think the Broncos, I don't think the Broncos are trying to, to tank. But that quote was interesting, uh, at least I, a little bit. Are we on Caleb Williams' watch officially for you, Vito, with the most expensive backup quarterback in the history of the NFL? Yes.
2: <laughs> uh, we, We are at the Send point it. where again, like <laughs> depending on what's going on, like, okay, first of all, against the Packers, like I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say, yes, I should say I would be excited if that happened. And I'm that's the thing I'm looking to, you guys know I'm an optimist and like, all right, my team sucks. Who's coming in the draft? Like, let's just take glass half full. Who are we going to get now? I think that um, I'm still not giving up on the season in terms of like, I still want to see this team pull some stuff together, like towards the end of last year, I was hoping things would, you know, at least, okay, we'll figure out this in game 10 or game 12. It's a whole new offense again for Russ. That's actually looking better. The defense is atrocious. I don't know what's happening. This is not with a team that I am like, I don't know that I thought I was going to have this year. It's obviously insanely disappointing. Um, it would make it a lot better if we had one of the top picks in the draft next year. I, even if, Listen, Caleb Williams aside, like this offense hasn't been the massive problem that it was last year, and it's already getting better. Now we are about in the same spot we were last year, which is crazy. Um, I think we're actually worse technically in a couple of categories, and uh, wins being one of them. Wins, but like defensively, it's way worse. It's pretty important. Um the Defense is uh, so much worse. Points remember,
1: remember when I talked about that defensive coordinator?
2: yeah yep uh but i i just think that i'm with you man this as a fan it's very difficult you're i'm at the denial phase of like hey we're not the worst team in the nfl but i've i've started to think maybe we are and uh i was bitching about this to nick alcaterra and i was like dude it's i think we might be like the actual worst fucking team in the nfl and he's like he sent that meme of james franco at a noose it's like first time you know first what time, I mean? Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, shout out the Jags fan. Our, yeah, he's our Jaguars first fan. overall picks like a couple years ago. So anyway, yeah, that's that's where I'm at, and it's hard for me, and uh, it's it's a good little medicine that maybe every fan once in a while needs to needs to take.
1: It sucks. I mean, look, there's nothing worse than like so early in the season feeling like there's just no hope. I think the Thursday night game against the Chiefs. Is just so disheartening because defensively you guys played well. Like that was the first game where I was like, all right, like Denver, we're starting to see some pieces kind of come together a little bit here. Cause I don't think Vance Joseph's a bad defensive coordinator. Like he cut yeah. his teeth, he was a really, really good defensive coordinator. That's how he got a head coaching job, you know? Yeah. Um, so we got two head coaching jobs, but at the same time, Russ was so bad against the Chiefs. And I opened up the pod on Tuesday talking about Thursday night from last week and just saying like, look, the scariest thing for the NFL right now is Patrick Mahomes or the top five defense. Cause that's something we've never seen with Patrick Mahomes as the, as the quarterback of the Kansas city chiefs. And we're all like ignoring Kansas city. It's crazy to me for how amazing Kansas city has been that we are all just collectively in the media side of things, just not talking about Kansas City because it just hasn't been the same electric show that we're used to, or because we just know we can write them in marker for winning the AFC West and being one of the top seeds in the AFC. But that defense is so freaking good. And we're going to talk about the Chiefs in a little bit. But like, you had an opportunity there where your defense played well and Russell Wilson didn't even have 100 yards passing. Well, I don't know why the fuck we
2: ran the ball. Sorry, I'm going to go off for a second because... Please do. the thing is... Well, is that the week we before, you were saying the run.
0: run the ball more.
2: No, no, no I'm sorry. I, I don't know if... I, we can't run the ball. We need to run the ball. Oh, I was going to prob- say. I, I'm sorry. I probably just said that wrong because I'm looking at our passing stats right now, too. The problem... I watched that game, obviously. I had that decanted wine from last week. Just fucking mm, drank yeah. the whole thing by myself. <laughs> Let me tell you what, dude. That team, we were running at halftime. We were averaging seven and a half yards of carry against that Chiefs defense. We come out in the second half and barely ran the ball. We, we as a team run 33.6% of the time run plays 66, over 66% of our plays this season have been passes. I'm sorry. I know we've been down that's, but at the time against like the chiefs, we abandoned the run. It was the first time that I was so pissed at Sean Payton and his play calling Not I'd say the first, but for a full game of like, dude, run the ball, it's working. Stop and going you- away from it. We'd run the ball once it'd be uh second and three. We literally get seven yards and then we pass it twice and punt. It was infuriating. We have to run the ball. Going back to this game against the Packers, like we can run the ball against this team, I think. Like, yeah, Rashawn Gary's great and everything, but I think we can run the ball if we run what the fuck we should. We can beat this team, and that's why, like, you can tell I haven't given up because I'm so pissed and still a fan. But like, I don't understand what's happening. We should be able to contain somewhat of this offense, or at least keep it close. I don't know what our defense is. I don't know if Miami just exposed us as the worst defense ever, or like maybe we're good and we just sucked for that game somewhere in between. Obviously we're missing Simmons and Josie jewel and all our tackle, like two leading tacklers, but I think we can win this game and I'm actually going to go ahead and take the Broncos. Uh, I don't know why I almost, I oh, was boy. coming in. this going to emotionally hedge and pick the Packers, but I think you guys got me fired up. You got something in me going again. I'm taking the Broncos. We're going to fucking win. We're going to win this game. You know what? We're going to do it. I'm back on the train. I love this it, man. The emotional
1: rollercoaster of denial. You are right on the edge of six days a week for tanking for Caleb Williams. And then on game day, let's go Broncos, baby. Like you are right on, which is yep. the let's correct space. That is the correct space to be as a team. With That's really bad. It's mentally it's like healthy. You, what, when you you when what? it's game day, it's let's go get a win, baby. Fuck everything yep. else. Right. But the other six days of the week, you need to figure out a way to emotionally cope with all that. And you are right on that line of like a couple more losses and you're going to be there. So you're, you're approaching it. And I respect it because you're a hardcore fan. I this one to me feels like this is a game that the Broncos absolutely can win. Um, by the way, Justin Simmons, future Eagle, Justin Simmons, uh, have a feeling. Let's go. Sorry. Get the Eagles game on. Brandon Marsh just ripped one in the gap. Let's go. Um, you're going to get these live reactions throughout the the, the rest yeah. of the pod. I'm sorry. Um, What's
0: happening right now? I, I missed it.
1: Yeah. and You wouldn't know this, but the playoffs are going on for Major League Baseball. <laughs> um, yeah. And my favorite team is in them right now. They're playing as, we, as we're doing. Got yeah. us. So Fair I didn't mean, to, didn't mean to. I know you're not a big baseball guy, Scotty. So nope. I know that's. No. Don't have a lot of that in your background. Um, but this is a game that the Broncos should win. Uh, 100 like uh, not maybe I should can win I feel like this is game the Packers should win all right I I don't feel like what we saw out of them the first couple weeks and like oh man Jordan Love like they look like they'd be pretty good I don't feel like that was all fool's gold like I feel like Jordan Love is kind of going through the ups and downs of a guy who's starting his first season at quarterback in the NFL the coming off of a bye week They're going to go through. Matt LaFleur is going to go through and and has gone through and is picking out stuff that he likes, stuff he doesn't like. They're going to put in some new stuff for the rest of the half of the season. I still think the Packers are, are, are a lively team in terms of, like, could they maybe sneak into the postseason? Because I do think that defense is pretty good. I think this Broncos offense and this whole team, they're not as bad as the Bears in terms of, like, this team is just falling apart and the organization's falling apart. Like, it feels like the Bears team is. Right. But they're not that far ahead of them. You know, or behind them, however you want to describe it, right? Um, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Packers here because I I I think the Broncos right now, especially with trade rumors, Jerry Judy, they had the one win, and Jerry Judy's out there like saving DMs from people and tweets and stuff, and like hold that same energy. What whenever was that t- last
0: week too? By the way, with Steve Smith.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it's like whenever your that team nuts. is nuts. Whenever your team is bad, and you have a player who's coming out and saying stuff like that, it's not a great sign. Um, because it kind of feels like Jerry Judy's a little detached from like the reality of the situation, which is like, dude, like you're not playing well. You've disappointed so far as a as a first round play. He's a good player. And like, again, he's in all these trade talks. He's probably gonna get traded. It just feels it's like the three. overall vibe is down and the Packers coming off of a buy. I like Green Bay as a one-point favorite. I'm gonna take the Packers.
0: Yeah, I, I mean what annoys me too, Vito, about your offense, not only that I have Javante Williams on my fantasy team, but like we expected with Sean Payton coming in like, oh, here's a younger Kamara. Let's use him like that. Why aren't they doing any of that? I don't know, especially with Russell Wilson. So uh, between that uh, on offense, the receivers not producing, the defense not looking like they look like complete opposites, polar opposites of what uh, what they were last year. I think you this agree, Packers like team is... 16
2: points a game last year, and we're giving up yeah. over 33, which I will say yeah. 33 is actually lower than i thought but but
0: it's still in like game, but still. every statistical category and yeah. per game and, and yeah. total statuses i it's nuts to me which I, is skewed
1: be, from the dolphins game though like that yeah. that's such a hundred outlier that 100%. like skews everything but but even if no, you no, take that out i don't good. yeah
0: yeah i think they're bottom three um uh, i i like this packers team too i think they're going to be frisky especially if aaron uh oh i to said rogers 40 and slip aaron jones comes back uh yeah. this week and and is is more involved uh, because we saw the first couple of weeks when they were playing well and that offense was clicking clicking when it running through Aaron Rodgers. Or, mm-hmm. I did it again, Aaron Jones. <laughs> um, uh, the offense running through Aaron Jones makes sense. Uh, the receivers are getting healthy for Green Bay, and I think they, uh, they're they able to do some damage on that defense this week against Denver.
1: And, and coming off the bye, like the one thing Green Bay needed, and obviously it's an early bye, but they needed they needed to get healthy. I mean, Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, core pieces of that defense and offense on both sides of the ball. And Rogers, need, I mean Jones. They needed that, right? So I think the Packers come in healthier. I think they'll have a good game plan for this week. Um does Matt
2: LaFleur have any type of I'm looking this up, special record after a bye? I know he's a young coach. I want he's to know Mike he's Tomlin. A, stay
0: fair. Oh my huh? God! He's no Mike Tomlin, but uh I, I but think he's, he probably looking at pretty good.
1: I mean, yeah. his overall record as the head coach of the He's of the really Packers good, yeah. is outrageous. So, um, no matter what, I think it'll end up being pretty good. All right, last of the late afternoon games: Chargers, Chiefs. The Chiefs coming off of the or the Chargers coming off of a game where they probably should have won that game. I I went on a little bit of a Justin Herbert diatribe at the end of the pod on Tuesday. It's oh, not boy. it's not that Justin Herbert's not good, right? But what I said was. You have all the nerds out there who look at Justin Herbert and they just drool over this guy as if he's the greatest thing that's ever come across, right? As if he's, like, the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. And I I see the talent. I see the advanced numbers. I see all the metrics. But at some point, and, like, Benjamin Solak, who I think is one of the best, um, like, pure football nerds out there, works for the ringer, he put out a a screenshot of being like, I'm going to mute this tweet because he's a big Justin Herbert guy. He's like, I'm going to mute this tweet or uh, the the responses or whatever, because I don't, you know, say whatever you want. I'm not going to pay attention to it. I screen grabbed like most game-winning drives since Justin Herbert's been in the league, and he was like third in the league in game-winning drives. But the two names that were ahead of him were Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. So to me, it's like you're telling on yourself by saying like, look at all the game-winning drives this guy's had since he's been in the league. But then also look at the two guys who are in front of him, which led me to come up with this take, which is that Justin Herbert right now is a more talented version of Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. He misses big throws in the most important moments of the game. Yes. He's got these, these game winning drives and these moments that make him seem that great. The numbers look incredible. We see all this stuff at some point, And I'm not saying Justin Herbert's not a stud. I'm not saying he didn't deserve a contract. He is, he's a fucking stud. I, I love watching the dude play because when it's right, there doesn't look like anyone else that we've ever seen when it's right with Justin Herbert. But at some point, don't all these advanced stats and all this stuff that the nerds love to obsess over, don't, doesn't that have to translate to wins? And like, I don't, necessarily, I didn't blame him for the loss against Jacksonville in the playoffs last year. That's on the Chargers defense. That's on Brandon Staley. He didn't do much in the second half to help the team, you know, but he did his job in the first half of that game. Right. The, the rest of the team blew it for the second half during the playoffs. At some point, like these have to translate these games and this these stats and the stuff we love about Herbert has to translate. They've always played Kansas City really, really tough. Right now the Chiefs offense doesn't look great, but this is also the best defense we've seen Kansas city have because Spagnola has always been that defensive coordinator. That's Belichick style. That's like by November, he knows what his team is. He knows how he can use them and they get really good from November through the rest of the playoffs. Now we're looking at this chiefs defense, like, okay, this is a top five defense right now. And right now is week six of going into week seven of the NFL. And, I don't know if we're going to see another tight game between these two. I know Justin Herbert's going to make some plays that make everybody go nuts. And the nerds are going to continue to say how incredible he is. But am I really like, am I wrong for that take? Because to me at some point it needs to translate to wins and it hasn't yet. And I do. And I said this on Tuesday too. straight up QB wins is one of the dumbest statistics in all of sports. I don't believe in Q quarterback wins as a, a determinant as to whether you're a good quarterback or not a good quarterback. In the same breath, if Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins have the most game-winning drives in the same stretch that Justin Herbert has been in the NFL, that to me isn't a great argument for saying that he deserves to be like this unbelievable, unassailable quarterback that it seems as though the nerds like to try to make him out to be.
2: Well, like the nerds, to your point, how about this stat for you? PFF power ranking rank.
1: Mahomes mm. is one.
2: Herbert is two. They're going up against each other this week. I don't know. The nerds I, love them man. Ranking yeah. rank. What does that mean? I don't You're know. ranking the power ranking? I don't get it because their PFF grade, like Herbert's a 74. That's average. You know but what Mahomes I heard, is Mahomes is just shy is of 90, right? and a half. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's killing it. So I don't know what that means either, Jeff, but the point is nerds love them. You're right. I, I mean, and I'll tell you what, I'm with you on the Chiefs. I think they're going to not only cover this, this is a lock for me. Because Ooh. this defense is great. I know it's divisional, but they've beaten up on the Chargers. Listen, the Chargers, the last time they were in a, you know, um, I would say big game that was like, you know, nationally watched, obviously the wild card last year, they they gave up the one of the biggest leads ever in NFL history. Like, they're not the team that's going to win it, to your point. They might have some wins at the end, but they also put themselves in a spot where they have to have game-winning drives all the time. Guess who doesn't? Pat Mahomes. They just yeah. – They just win from start to end, and that's what I think they're going to do. I think they win by a touchdown easily.
0: Yeah, and none of that's wrong. I I just – like the Chargers defense, not great, Bob, like on all all levels. Um, But I think that they're able to be – He's questionable. Yeah, I I think it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to run the ball, having said that. Um, Getting Pacheco in the mix is something that helps make their offense go, and at times when we've been like, oh, okay, their offense is actually pretty decent – is when Pacheco is is having success in the ground game. Um I think it's going to be a little more difficult for them to to get that established this week. Uh I think it's a closer game, but when it comes down to crunch time, I I'm taking my homes, man. Like I just like anytime Kelsey's out there with him, I I, I just I, like I I don't know what these people are 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 seeing in, in five and a half and the public's fading uh, fading the Chiefs, eighty-three percent of the cash is going to to the Chargers. Seventy-seven percent of all ticket bets are going to the Chargers. What are you doing? Five and a half for the Chiefs, who are five and one yeah. against the spread this year. After four years of Mahomes being the he- the the guy at the head uh, of the team, a- and they were terrible against the spread. Now they're all of a sudden we think they're a worse team, but somehow five and one against the spread, and all the tickets are going to the Chargers right now. Forget it, you guys. Awesome. I mean, come on. Get amongst it. Stay with us.
2: Also, the one thing I was going to note, they got, I think it was today or yesterday, they traded for McCole Hardman. They got him back. And I really like that move. There you go. um, I didn't think they should have ever let him go, especially knowing that they were going to deal Tyreek Hill. Like, keep that guy. He was your speedster. He'll come in. He'll play a role on this team. And um, it's funny that you're like, to your point, usually it's like, all right, we got to figure out, can the Chiefs defense keep him, you know just hang in there enough so the Chiefs offense can win. And now it's like, man, the defense can win a game by themselves. So it's it's been impressive. It's annoying. Yeah, well, it's, it's a long way from where we saw him to start
1: the year. So so on Tuesday, I said, just wait, McCole Hardman's going to get traded back to the Chiefs. And then that day he got traded back to the Chiefs. So um, if love, you're not
0: listening to this podcast, Love you that should. for me.
1: Here's love the thing, though. I haven't made my pick yet, and I'm taking the Chargers.
0: Oh,
1: and the reason I'm taking the Chargers is if you look back on the last three weeks, right, they played Minnesota, they played the Raiders and they played the Cowboys. All three of those teams have been somewhat dysfunctional or at least not particularly smooth offensively. The Cowboys should have just kept pumping the ball to CeeDee Lamb over and over again, but they didn't agree. And it and if the secondary makes a tackle on Tony Pollard on that big touch or it wasn't touch on, but he got it all the way down to like the 10 within the red zone. The Chargers again probably win this game, but they go up against a really, really good defense and put up 17 points. But in the last three weeks, 24 points to the the Vikings, 17 points to the Raiders, 17 points to the Cowboys. McCole Hardman coming back, he's going to know that offense. I wonder, I don't know if he's probably going to play in this game on Sunday. But even still, McCole Hardman was like an afterthought. I'm not a little bit more than an afterthought. Like, McCole Hardman would catch a ball because Mahomes made an unbelievable play and at least he could trust McCole Hardman to catch the football. And he's going to come in and be their number one wide receiver right now. I still am concerned about the Chiefs offense right now because the Chiefs offense is going to get better as the season goes on. But McCole Hardman coming over midweek, getting ready to play. I don't think he's going to be a huge impact player right off the bat. Obviously, Kelsey's really good. We know Travis Kelsey's is going to get his every single time. But regardless, this Chiefs offense still just hasn't really clicked yet. And I think that's going to continue. On top of that, too, every game since Justin Herbert has been the starting quarterback for the Chargers that they've played against Kansas City has been a really, really good football game. It's been close. It's been nail biters. And that's kind of all that the Chargers do every single game so far this season has been within a touchdown. The only one that wasn't within a touchdown was this, or that wasn't uh, the biggest within that was the seven point win against the Raiders. Other than that, it was two point loss against the dolphins, three point loss against Tennessee, four point win against Minnesota and a three point loss against Dallas. To me, this Chargers team keeps things close because they have so much talent on this roster in a division five and a half is smack in the middle of the, of the Vegas zone. I like the Chargers getting five and a half, so I'm taking the Chargers to cover, but I think Kansas City wins. I think it's another close game because outside of the game against the Bears, the Chiefs' offense hasn't looked particularly impressive, and to the Chargers' credit, they've played pretty well defensively against dysfunctional offensive teams, and through this point of the season, you have to at least say that the Chiefs' offense has looked a little bit more dysfunctional than we're used to, and I think the Chargers keep it close, so I'm taking the Chargers' Plus five and a half. All right. Sunday night. Your Dolphins, show, bud. Dolphins at Philly. The return of the Kelly greens. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I hate the Eagles are a two and a half point favorite. I hate that the Eagles have nobody in their secondary right now. Makai Gardner, who had never been active for an NFL game, had to play over 20 snaps last week against Zach Wilson, and the New York Jets and Zach Wilson actually looked like a competent NFL quarterback. They're now going up against the most historic offense in the NFL that we've seen in the last 12 years since your Broncos veto. And the first year with Peyton Manning, with Wes Walker and Eric Decker and, uh, and Demarius Thomas and that whole team.
0: Eric Decker. They, wow.
1: They, they averaged 44 points per game through six weeks in the NFL uh, of that season. And the Dolphins right now are averaging 38. So to give you some perspective, that, that wow. Broncos offense and team rather was averaging one more touchdown per game that than was this nuts. Dolphins team. But the Dolphins also had that one loss against Buffalo, which kind of skews their metrics mixed with the 70 point game against uh, Denver. This is a horrible matchup for the Eagles. The Eagles are so banged up. Across the board, Lane Johnson supposed apparently going to play, which what a fucking warrior that dude is. He's an animal. He's incredible. Um, And if he plays and he's hurt, he's still better than Jack Driscoll, who's not, by the way, Jack Driscoll, not a bad backup, but getting thrown in in the middle of the game like that that early on. I mean, the, the Jets did a phenomenal job of just targeting that and going after it. But to me, the concern about the Eagles coming after last week wasn't about the defense. It was about the offense. The offense is in shambles. Brian Johnson was so in over his skis in that game, particularly in the second half. The Eagles are struggling to throw the ball. Jalen Hurts, was, and I said this on the pod as well, and you guys will tell me that I'm being hyperbolic, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not. He looked like the, the Jalen Hurts who got benched at halftime. And the thing is, remember, Jalen Hurts only lost two games as a starting quarterback before he got benched for Tua in the national championship game. Jalen Hurts won a lot of football games at the college level by looking at one read, it wasn't there, and tucking and using his athleticism to pick up yards. That happened constantly, relied on a really good offensive line, a really good run game, and if the first read wasn't there, he tucked it and ran. And that's what happened the entire game against the Jets, who had backup cornerbacks. They were down to their third and fourth cornerbacks on both sides of that game. Jalen is in a funk right now in a way that is extremely concerning as an Eagles fan and does not give you any sort of hope. Not to say hope, but they're about to hit the gauntlet. We talked about the gauntlet going into the season. We've talked about it to this point. That's a game they can't lose. I don't see them going over 500 over the next seven games with the way that this team is built currently with the injuries that are across the board. And you guys can sit there and shake your head and be like pessimistic Eagles fan. What other than the, the Rams game, which they still almost found a way to let the Rams back into that game. Have you looked at this Eagles team and be like, yeah, this Eagles team top to bottom has looked awesome so far this year because they just flat out haven't they haven't looked awesome. And the fact that they're a two and a half point favorite when they are going to have Reed Blankenship, who was already like, is he going to be able to continue to play well this season after being an undrafted rookie last year? He has played well. He's hurt. Darius Slay's banged up. James Bradbury's been banged up already this year. They're starting Terrell Edmonds, who's currently the lowest-ranked starting safety in the NFL in terms of his PFF grade. He's been absolutely atrocious. Jalen Carter's hurt. This Eagles defensive line might be good, but the the Dolphins are going to put up 35 points without even thinking about it in this game. And with how we've seen the Eagles' offense look so far this season, where they haven't been dominant once the entire season – Why does anybody think the Eagles can put up 35 points in this game? The Eagles haven't scored 35 points once this season.
0: Because the Dolphins' defense stinks? (laughs) (laughs) They're not that good.
2: Hold on, hold on. You guys are all just taking this way too far and thinking way too into this. Go Birds, baby. This is a night game in Philly, okay? We're just going with the fucking vibe, and we're going to go ahead and take the Eagles. I'm just going to cut it and throw it in right there. You can take all your logic and all your points and all that bullshit and take it somewhere else. I'm gonna go ahead and take the, the Eagles just because it's at home and it's a night game and fuck it. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> fair the enough. Fact, the fact that this go is birds. the, game, the go fact birds. go birds. The fact that this is the game where they're debuting the Kelly Greens with where this team is right now, yeah, physically yeah. and from a health perspective, is terrible. It's a Sunday night game, it's a huge stage, a huge spot. The Dolphins are going to win this game, and I'm telling you now, it's my third lock of the week. The Dolphins are covering. It's not going to be close. The Dolphins are going to run absolute fucking train on the Eagles in this game. If Jalen Carter plays and is effective, there's a chance. But – and it's not because – if the Eagles are fully healthy, I think it's a totally different conversation. They're not. They have the the worst safety in the NFL playing behind them right now. Justin Evans, who at least filled in and played instead of Terrell Edmonds, went back onto IR. He's out for the next four weeks. They are so thin and cool. You went out and signed Julio Jones to your practice squad. That means fucking nothing. I don't care. (laughs) Like, is it going to be cool to see Julio Jones and Kelly Green? Yeah, I'm pumped. That's going to be fun. I love Julio Jones. I love them for years. What Julio Jones gives you right now is nothing. I don't care what about Julio Jones going in. What they need is a fucking safety. What they need is to get healthy. And they're going up against the most historic offense we've seen in the NFL in over a decade. They're going to get shit pumped by the Dolphins on Sunday night. And I have no pleasure in saying this whatsoever. But the Eagles are going to get shit pumped on Sunday, crazy, football on Sunday. I'm not crazy.
0: You're, we'll see. You're crazy. We'll see. I'm you're just crazy. telling
2: you, I, I disagree. And I'm, I hope... And I know you hope that I'm right too, but
0: this defense, go ahead.
2: No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead.
0: This defensive line, even without Jalen Carter is going to get to Tua. The only reason that Tua has been able to make plays is because he's had the time to be able to throw to Tyreek Hill down the stretch or down the sideline, throw to Jalen Waddle for a big plays. That's been the offense. They're running. they running ability is great. Mostert's great. He's not going to be able to run the ball against this, this top-ranked rush defense in the NFL in the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I I don't see it. Like they they might hit one big play, and it it might be in the second or third quarter where you turn the game off for five minutes because you're like, well, screw this, this game's over. <laughs> and guess what? Jalen hurts, and, and that offense are going to be able to move the ball against this defense, which I don't think is very good, and they're definitely not good in the red zone. They're giving up two touchdowns uh, per, per every three red zone attempts uh, per game at this clip, the Miami Dolphins' defense. Jalen Hurts in that offensive line in the red zone is going to absolutely murder the Dolphins. Give me the Dol- give me the Eagles by a touchdown plus.
2: I love it. I got a prop bet for you too, Jeff, as you're in disbelief over your – The Green Eagles, by the way. The Green yeah, Eagles. The Kelly Greens.
1: I mean, look, again, um, like I, I just I don't I don't see how the Eagles can stop this passing attack because it doesn't have to be deep shots. They just need to literally get the ball into Tyree Kill's hands in any way possible and it's done. It can be a five-yard slant and it's going to be done. It can be a bubble screen, it's going to be done. This Eagles defense is depleted.
0: Do that with Devontae on year. the other side. Uh, it's not hard, man. It's going I'd take the over. It's not I mean hard. they're gonna
1: have to start they're gonna have to start an undrafted rookie. They're going to have to start a second year player who was an undrafted rookie last year. And they're going to need snaps from a guy who played in his first active NFL game last week, had never been activated for an NFL game last week. And they're going up against arguably the best offensive unit in football. I, I, Listen, that's fine, if, this, out, if, this was, if this was <laughs> any other team, if this was, you know, say it was the Kansas city, whatever it Broncos, any other team that was going 70, up with the same thing, so. pick change the logo. I would say the exact same thing. It's just, it's crazy to me that this line is at two and a half. And I respect that. And honestly, a big part of that is because fans know that the Eagles are really, have been really good. They were really good last year. This year's team is different than last year. I don't, I do not see a path for the Eagles to win this game with how inconsistent, mistake filled the offensive coordinator, like Brian Johnson, had a good game and then had a horrific game. I don't see it. Well, it's your prop bet, Vito. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to overtake you. are good.
2: But- um, Crazy good one coming out this week. Uh, Tyreek Hill over to all the, the points you were making on the secondary. Six and a half receptions. Hit the over. He's had way more, like, more than that a couple different times. I think that's an easy, easy win in this situation.
1: By the way, you want to hear a crazy Tyreek Hill fact that I saw today? Tyreek Hill has had four games of 150 receiving yards or more already this season. Do you know the record for a single season with the most hundred and fifty plus yard games? How many? How many games it was? Probably six or five. Five. That's crazy. Six, he has
2: two thirds of a season to get. That's
1: crazy. He's, he's got over a thousand yards, right? Or he's almost he's, there. Yeah, he's right now. Yes, he's on. He or he's at eight hundred and sixty something. He's, on, he's pace, on pace
0: for over two thousand, right?
1: He's on pace yeah. for twenty four hundred yards. Jesus. I mean, to, and again.
2: The stat we threw out earlier, he, so he has 800 yards by himself. The Browns have given up only
1: 1,000 all year. Just some crazy stats out there on offense and defense. Here yeah, in the NFL. And, and look, I, I love Jalen. I believe in Jalen. I'm not, like, this doesn't affect any of that. It's just the injuries right now are, this is as worse of a time to be injured where they're injured as I can imagine. If it turns into a shootout, I'm not I'm not picking the Eagles to win that game based off the way we've seen this offense operate so far. I'm just not. I mean, Jalen already has more interceptions, and I know two of them weren't his fault on Sunday, but he already has more interceptions this year than he had all of last year.
0: The yeah. Eagles are turning the ball over, they're in injured, the
1: they're committing penalties, they're playing undisciplined. It's it's not the same team we saw a year ago, and Miami's really fucking good. So I mean, Miami spotted Carolina 14 points and still covered, and That's not only Carolina. covered one by 21 carolina i understand it's carolina but it's an nfl team scotty it's an nfl team
0: you're for... so i'm man you just i don't get you sometimes
1: brother I, i'm st- I, I, what i'm doing over here is speaking the truth all right that's <laughs> I what i'm worry, doing
2: listen i have ptsd with the dolphins they can they
1: can score on anybody so I'm just maybe half rooting against no, them. They would scored you, on. I mean, would you rather? <laughs> like, I understand. I'm by nature. I'm a pessimistic fan. I see the worst in, in bads. When things get That's bad, I, I go to the worst case scenario. I'm genuinely looking at this as like a like objective view. I think and you're this,
2: underestimating your defense's ability. You really to are, man. Offense. Yeah, a little bit. There's on not the line a single NFL well, team.
1: Morris that, played well at linebacker. Blankenship's going to be back there. Like, there's. There's not a single NFL team that if they were starting three undrafted players in their secondary against the best offense in the NFL, that I would think anything different of. It's not, it's not an Eagles thing. It's like, you could just put up, put up blank uniforms. And I would say the same thing, but nonetheless, nice play. Sorry. Philly's gotten out. Nonetheless, I'm taking Miami. You guys are on the birds and we go into our final game of this week san francisco at minnesota the niners seven point favorites can you give us an injury update scotty you you're more in the weeds on that with your niners where are they at right now health-wise yeah so
0: four big injuries last week uh obviously dre greenlaw who didn't play with a hamstring and then in game trent williams had the ankle rolled christian mccaffrey with the oblique injury debo samuel with the shoulder none of them practiced today on Thursday, well. which is never a good sign, but usually, you know, with Kyle, you never know. It's uh, all, all three of the, uh, all four of them really, um, including Debo, are considered day to day. Yeah, which to me means they're they're going to be playing if they're they're ready to go. Uh, by all accounts, Christian McCaffrey, it's a pain tolerance thing. He's expected to play. Uh, same thing with Trent, and uh, but the the two other question marks are Debo and uh, and Drake Greenlaw we saw how much of an impact that made on defense with Dre Greenlaw being out in the middle. Um, How much of, uh, uh, we talked about it two weeks ago, how uh, uh, against the Cowboys, how physical he made that game. Um, And that's what you needed against a Browns team. And you didn't have that up the middle, uh, which, which was a big problem. And then, you know, these guys playing banged up. I, again, I expect Christian McCaffrey to play. Um So, uh, there's your your injury update. Uh, I'm not I'm not so sure about Debo. Honestly, I would put him on kind of a snap count, really, with the shoulder. Um, if I were uh if I were the one making the moves, but uh I'm sitting here talking about it and not getting paid to do that. So uh I'll leave it to the smarter people. Uh, but man, this this game against the Vikings on Monday night, I think is is it's a touchdown difference. And I think that that we do end up winning the game. But this is gonna be a test of can you play well on the road? Because so far, I haven't seen the Niners play well on the road, uh, except for that that week one game against uh, against the Steelers. Um, the Vikings are a clearly inferior team to the San Francisco 49ers. The Vikings have no discernible defense that uh, has has played better over two weeks, but doesn't look uh, anywhere near the level that the Niners defense looks. Um, frankly, nobody except maybe the Eagles in the NFL does. Um and on offense, like you, to to me on offense, what what the biggest problem last week, apart from the weather, was, uh, yeah, we had that that great drive from from Brock to to lead us down the field, um, to get us in field goal range at the end of the game, that was his best drive of the game. But like, the the playbook cannot be centered around. It can be centered around Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. That's fine, but then. When those two guys go out, it cannot be like throwing your hands up in the air and going, oh shit, what, what do we do now? George Kittle had one catch for one yard after a game where he had three touchdowns. That is unacceptable. Like, it, of course, when Debo goes out and Juwan Jennings is not having a great game, every DB in the world that's on the field, especially in nickel, which the Cleveland Browns play, played a lot of, is going to be like, yeah, we got Brandon Ayuk in double and maybe triple coverage. Um and George Kittle's wide open over the middle all the time. And, and and he's the third option for for Brock. And I don't know why we didn't involve George Kittle in more plays. So I expect the offense to to regroup and transition a little bit more, uh, expecting that they're not going to have a full Christian McCaffrey, a full Debo Samuel, uh, and even a hundred percent of of Trent Williams for that matter. So um I expect this to be a get right game against the Vikings, who I don't think are a very good football team, especially with Justin Jefferson out.
2: Yeah, man, I'm pretty stoked to see this game and see what you guys can do. Uh, honestly, your defense ha- has just been dominant, right? Like, uh, the, your defense against I- that offense without, to your point, one of those playmakers like Justin Jefferson, they're going to make, I feel like the Vikings look so pedestrian, man. Like, it's going to be one of those games where, um, I'll tell you what, this is what I do on a couple. I've been finding myself betting this more and more during games. Dude, I have been live betting that, like, teams will punt on drives a lot this year and it's a team situation like this where it's the like you have an injury on an offense or something they're not who they should be like the vikings going up against an elite defense like the 49ers i bet you we're going to see over eight punts in this game out of like 12 12 possessions maybe like six to eight punts um anyway i just think you guys are going to dominate them and i'm excited to see what you're going to do i think what is your spread even
1: it seven. is seven?
2: Mi- minus seven right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking you guys minus seven for sure. What do you, do you think like, I don't know, Scott, you guys have fucking crushed a lot of teams this year. Do you like, what do you think you'll win by? Cause sometimes I like to bet adjusted spreads, like minus 13, even here, I don't know, like 10.
0: Yeah. I, so I like the seven easy. Um, I think there's, there's a world that exists where, where we're up by a bunch. Uh, because that defense for the Vikings is is really really bad, and you see Jordan Mason or, or Eli Mitchell come in in garbage time and score a rushing touchdown um, to put us up two scores. Um, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. Uh, I think that's more likely than not, uh, just based Ooh, on the way that the the Vikings offense has been running. I, I think you're right. There's going to be a lot of punts in the game and a lot of opportunities for the offense to to you know get at least get in the red zone. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd tease it up to at least 13 and a half if you can.
1: I wouldn't tease or, or touch, uh, you know, alternate spreads in this game because assuming the Niners go in and they start to take care of business the way that they should, like, especially if for McCaffrey, if it's a pain tolerance thing, like, they're not going to want to overexpend him. Same thing with Debo. That's
0: what I just said. Yeah.
1: So I'm just cutting Eli
0: Mitchell and Jordan Mason that are really good, w-
1: which which is fun, but I'm just saying, like, they're not Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> like yeah. Eli, Eli Mitchell and Jordan Mason don't m- even touch what Christian McCaffrey does for you. So it's like, and we saw that when, when Christian McCaffrey left the game on Sunday. So I, to well, that, me, to I me, think that was seven, more,
0: I think that was more how good Cleveland's defense was.
1: Like, it, which it could be. But again, if it's backups yeah, and, and, and guys who are on snap counts and it's a game that's in hand, an alternate spread there, I think you're just playing with fire. I think you just take them. I think you just take them at the seven because I think the seven is a is a safe bet. I like. I'm gonna. I'm taking the Niners minus seven here as well. Um, I wouldn't tease them if if anything. If you find something else you like teasing, I might just tease them down to even. Um, yeah. uh, but te- if you're gonna tease them, you got to put them up to minus fourteen, and all of a sudden that becomes a very different game. It still is Kirk Cousins it's who huge just finds odds. ways so, yeah, to do to stuff. I mean, that's plus 300 something. So it's yeah, a dif- different bet. I, I mean, like, if if yeah, yeah it's like if we're just talking here, like I'd say seven, I think that's a safe bet. I think you're going to yep. get a lot out of McCaffrey. I think you're going to get a lot out of the guys you need them there. I think if they're day-to-day now, they're getting the rest. I'd expect them all to be playing on on Sunday or on Monday. And I think they take care of business on Monday. They get an extra day of rest. I think they'll be ready. But I, I definitely wouldn't tease them up. Uh, all right, it's my so lock, all, though. It's my third lock. it's your of third of lock. I was just going to ask, what's your third lock? And you're taking your Niners. All right, real quickly. You two college calls- for that touchdown, by the way. Keep
0: it, yeah, for sixteen. <laughs>
1: yeah, he does need it. That's a good point. Um, so Scotty has Cleveland minus two and a half, Detroit plus three, and San Francisco minus seven as his locks. Veto, Jacksonville plus two, the Rams minus three, and Kansas City minus five and a half. As his locks, I have Buffalo minus 8.5, Detroit minus 3, and Miami plus 2.5 as my locks of the week. And we'll go ahead two quick college football games. It's a read option special here. Both of our boys are four – actually, mine are four-and-a-half point favorites. Y'all's are four-and-a-half point underdogs. We'll start with JMU Marshall. That game is Thursday night. It's kicking off in about 45 minutes from right now. I'm rolling with the Dukes. If I didn't pick the Eagles to win, I at least got to take my college team – uh, they had 70 votes in the top 25. They are currently the number one team on the outside looking in the top 25. If JMU wins this game, which they hopefully should at Marshall, then that bumps them to uh, still undefeated 7-0 and on the season, still not eligible for postseason play, which is bullshit. But hey, whatever. It is what it is. That's
0: a, such a dumb rule.
1: But it also will likely put them into the top 25, which I think at this point is beyond over-deserved. Uh, JMU is playing phenomenal football. I like the Dukes minus four and a half on the road.
0: I'm with you, man. I got them down to three and a half on my card, so I'm feeling good. Uh, I like the way that they're playing. Uh, and, and as you know, Jeff, because you live in Virginia, we can't bet on teams, Virginia teams in Virginia. Wait, I'm wait in Pennsylvania hands. this weekend. The minute I crossed that border into Maryland over the Potomac River, I said, where's the JMU game? I'm putting it on my card. Let's go. Um, dude, this Both is Duke's, Dukes all the way.
2: No, I'm, I'm with you guys. I've been, honestly, Jeff, dude, this has been so fun. I've been following JMU all year. Every week I bet on them, at least throwing them some Moneyline parlays just because of you, honestly. And I've fucking loved following them. Such a great storyline. This is why you have to look at the Sun Belt. You have to look at the – I love the Sun Belt. I think Best it's group one of five ex-
1: conference in football, baby. Dude, Let's I think go. it's one
2: of the best – it's the most exciting conference. One of the most exciting conferences in all of football. Yeah. And, and I have loved it. JMU's been a great ad, and they are coming in and dominating. It is so fun. If you are not watching JMU football, you owe it to yourself to throw
1: it on. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We're all rolling with the Dukes. And in return, Penn State going to Columbus. Four and a half, one underdogs. When was the last time that the spread in Columbus was this close? It's been a while. Yeah.
0: Probably um, 2018 or 19 oh, where, I thinking, 18, probably. Yeah. You
1: think it was even that close back then? Yeah. I feel like it was I even think
0: it that was. close. I, I feel yeah, like
2: it was a touchdown. 19, probably. Maybe it was though. You're right. It probably was closer to a touchdown. I mean, but...
1: less than a touchdown. I don't think it's I think it's been probably even longer than that. In Columbus, this, I don't this Penn State yeah. team is hungry and eager. And uh and also, I'll lead us off here because obviously we know where you guys are going. Give me the Nittany Lions, baby. I think that's this is you know, I, I think Let's this go. Is, I think this is a knockdown drag out. I think this is an all-time classic type of game. I think it's going to live up to the hype. And I think Penn State at that point if it's close it can go either way. I'm going to take the team that's getting four and a half. Give me the Nittany Lions. I like Penn State to cover this week and I think I think that I think they have a good chance of doing it, man. That Penn that Penn State defense is filthy. And I think they're better than the Notre Dame defense. We saw Ohio State struggle with earlier in the season. I think Penn State's defense shows up to Columbus, delivers a world of pain, and uh, and I think they come away with a win, and I think they cover. So give me Penn State. I love it, man.
2: Um, it's the right call. Yeah, well, I, I just want to say this. Obviously, I'm going Penn State. I think we're going to win this game. I've been talking to a lot of people up here in Ohio. around a lot of Ohio State fans right now. One of my best friends is an Ohio State fan talk about this shit all the time. This is the most confident in my entire life I've been going into an Ohio State-Penn State game. Okay, it's
0: not just me. It's not just me. Okay, It's
2: right. No, seriously. I've talked, and you know what he said? This is the least confident I feel ever going into a Penn State-Ohio State game. So that's just where both programs are at right now. They're still, I mean, they're still, we're both undefeated, but it's just such a different feel. This team is great. Our best player is the most important position. in Drew, Drew Aller, like what we're doing in the offensive side and what we're able to score on the limited amount of touches this offense has really shows everything. This is going to be a whole different ballgame. It's going to be his first real big game on the road in a huge environment, right? That's going to be huge. He's from Ohio. We're going to see a lot of storylines play out. This is going to be an all-time classic. The worst part about this game is that it's at noon, the only reason I'm happy is because right after criminal. shout out to my South African Springboks who are taking on England at 3 p.m. in the rugby semifinal. Hit your boys up. But this game at noon is crazy, but it will live up to the hype. And I've I firmly believe again, it's not like I think like beyond all doubts, we're gonna win, like we're gonna dominate, but it's the most confident I've been going in that our team is built to beat this team, Ohio State.
0: Last Last time it was less than a touchdown in Columbus was 2018. It was a three-point spread in Columbus. Ohio State won 27-26 and mm. ripped my I effing heart out. I
2: just that game today. On the, like, oh, a,
0: God, that was uh, the one where Saquon opened the game running back ran, for a touchdown. No,
2: no, yeah, fourth and five when we run the ball to the right. and hundred
0: percent, yeah. yeah. So the only thing I'm concerned about, Kalen King's going to go one-on-one with Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm okay with that. I can live with that all day long on offense. We've looked like all the numbers are like Penn State's really good on offense this year, right? Run the ball really effectively. Drew Allen has been been really efficient in the past game. Have you, Vito, seen this off this playbook open up at all? Because uh, I only, haven't. Only
2: once, no, once in a while we'll throw in big plays, but to your point, the way play calling has been has been like chunked out almost,
0: it's super conservative, different. and I and I really feel like it's all leading up to this game that Mike offensive coordinator Mike Yersich has closed the book a little bit um, and and has been like, we're not going to show anything ahead of the Iowa State game. I don't like that strategy. I hate it, in fact. In fact, I'm a big proponent of, yeah, here's what we got. We got the five-star recruit that is a sophomore coming in to lead us a quarterback. We've got a trio of wide receivers led by Keandre Lambert-Smith. We've got an offensive line that's the best we've ever had at Penn State. We've got a defense that's going to Manny Diaz has got the boys humming and is gonna is gonna absolutely wreck this game. Go out and lay the pipe on the field. Okay. Let the playbook open and see just show them what you got and be like, come and beat us. Let's go. Ohio State. Come and beat us because we don't think you're better than us. And they're not. And we're gonna win by 16 points this game. <laughs>
2: wow. So I got I got one even to talk. As we're talking about this, this is perfect timing. My buddy Luke sends me the bet. He put fifty dollars on Penn State plus four and a half because he says hashtag good teams win, great teams cover. That's always Attaboy. been my motto in gambling. Penn State's undefeated against the spread this year. We're also undefeated against teams this year, and I think we're going to get another one here.
1: I hope so, man. I really do because otherwise, just see. I I respect the move by your boy there too because if is that is that the Ohio State fan? Yep. Because he can make some money and also still win and get bragging rights. And that's the worst case scenario.
0: Yeah. yep.
1: But yeah. what I'll say is, look, Penn State's offense looked really good against what's statistically been the best defense in college football this year in Iowa. Right. And, and Iowa's defense is no fucking joke. And Penn State looked pretty damn good when they went up against the Hawkeyes. Now they're going up against an Ohio State defense that I don't think is even close to as good as that Iowa team. I know they played and had a good game plan against Notre Dame. But this isn't Ohio State with Chase Young. This isn't Ohio State with the Bosa boys. Good like game wrecker. And I think, honestly, the quarterback split up between Alar and McCord. I think they're both equally as unproven. I mean, you would say, hey, McCord at least has the one win, but he didn't play well against Notre Dame. And I think this Penn State defense is even better than that. So I think Penn State's in a really good spot. They got to do it in Columbus, which is tough. But I think they have the – I think they have the – the, the, the team to get it done this year so we're all on, on
0: football gods. we're going
1: with the read option schools and i'm excited it's gonna be a great weekend of college football and the nfl and with that i hope everybody has a wonderful week phillies nlcs hopefully by the next time we talk to you guys the phillies will be world series bound fingers crossed
0: penn They'll state cross. will
1: have beaten ohio state penn state will be have beaten ohio state the Eagles, the Eagles magically, the magically look great. The, Dol- the the Broncos win another game. The Niners look right, and everything I, will I be right. South the Africa, the most I gotta say. In South funny. Africa, oh, yeah. that's South true, Africa, yeah. England. Also, Keep your screw eyes England. Some
0: rugby. Screw England. That whole yeah, country. Fuck the redcoats, like dude. Yeah. Fuck
2: the redcoats. I'm back at it, dude.
1: 1776. Here I am. Let's go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get political here, boys.
0: Okay. Don't beat the colonizers. <laughs>
1: Stick to sports. All right, that's all we got. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday. And until then, take it easy, everybody.